And welcome back to the Ginger Talks podcast. My name is Ginger Snaps, and joining me as faithfully as ever, wonderful Druid Knowledge. Druid, how you doing, buddy? How you feeling? You know, feeling strangely alert today, ready to go. Uh, you know, I feel that I, in this part of the podcast, I'm always giving myself something of a a pep talk uh, <laughs> live on air because I'm always like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk in a long form setting. Uh, but you know. This this episode is actually true, and uh, I'm sorry to admit to you, the listener at home, that every other time was a lie. I've never actually been ready to record a long-form chat, but today uh, I'm feeling especially stimulated. Oh. <sighs> and take, take from that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, and... Because we have a, a a different variety of guests joining us today, do you want to do the the welcome and the intro? Yeah, uh, the man to my digital right is uh, words almost fail me to describe the gravity of the man. Uh, he's an artist, podcaster, uh, provocateur, musician. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the podcast Jack Solomon Smith. Jack, how are you doing? I'm feeling. Uh, I'm feeling very ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm feeling. I'm. I'm uh, thank you for uh, having me on the show. And uh, you know, words fail me to match that intro because it was a very humbling experience to be talked about in such esteemed terms. Quite frankly, because I am a nobody. In you know, uh, just imagine this is the uh, state sequestered B-roll that we'll have ready for you when you pass away. <laughs> well, I mean, I already live each day like that's that's what I'm. That's the script I'm reading from. You know. So Jack Solomon Smith lives each day as if it were his last. Yes. And if you take a... one thing away, let it be that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it's in that song that you showed me of. Uh, Alex Cameron and uh, Kieran J. Callan. Uh, this a, this time might this time might just be. Oh no, there's that <laughs> <laughs> the both of us. Uh, a for, a, you know, a forlorn Western hero doffing his cap to those he left behind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Out there, and, out there on the prairie. And so it's been a long and dusty road that we've been on, uh, being from the the West Midland UK. Um, you know, it's uh, it can be a bit like a wild west. We sometimes. the episode is roughly four minutes into recording, uh, give or take. Well, probably not, like, probably not, but my spittoon is already full, <laughs> and I won't tell you what it's full with. Uh, apart, uh, but in the making of it came much mirth. <laughs> well, that's good to know. So, um, yeah, well, uh, 
we like to bear all here on the Ginger Talks <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, soul, body, mind. I've uh, heard. I've heard a couple of the shows, um, but I still I didn't listen to a full one the whole way through. Um, are there any? Uh, do you do like any sections? Are there like running? Do you have any game shows quizzes in it? Uh, uh, that's all to that's all to come. Yeah, okay. that that you know that's when we do a channel channel awesome and alienate everyone. We start getting YouTube essays written about how fucking awful we are. <laughs> <laughs> and you yeah, know, yeah. and make no mistake, I know it's coming. I, I <laughs> when when, for the, it. when the that guests guy, the guests bite with, back and and reveal how badly we've treated them on the that show. That guy with the spittoon dot com. <laughs> I'm the nostalgia critic. I remember it, so you don't have to. Oh God! Uh, I love Doug. I love him. What uh, Doug? Funny or Doug Walker? Doug, Doug Walker, Walker, the nostalgia critic. Yeah, mm. I don't like Mike Michard from what I've heard, but I, I like Doug. Uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I get. Yeah, I especially Mike... like his rendition of uh, "So oh, Long" the... Oscar Bates song. I, I, I was really worried you were going to say uh, Pink Floyd's "The Wall." That that's one of his songs in Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah, oh, is it really? I can't make it through that fucking shit, man. Well, uh, yeah, like it's um. Anthony Fantano made a good point that uh, Jordan Peterson released a song that he'd done lyrics of, and it sounded strangely like Nostalgia Critic's version of The Wall. Yeah, I I did hear that. Um, God. As if he wasn't assaulting the senses in enough ways as it. As so it's sort of like we could a five dimensional public speaker. <laughs> oh. I, I literally don't know what to say to that. <laughs> um, a loss for words really early in. Uh, let that set the tone uh, for how this evening's going to go. Mm-hmm. A rare, like it, it, uh, we, for the listener. We're not going to get there fastest, but we're going to get there furthest. Well, the, the the you know sorry the for, listen- my, for the American listeners farthest. Well, the, and that uh, yeah, I'm just going to edit that in like interchangeably. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't wait. Uh, you know, the farthest. <laughs> it's going to be a real editing nightmare. Uh, I'm going to be looking at Miriam Webster's. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, well, you've got to get some real work done. You can't just be staring at Miriam all day. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> your, your, uh, <laughs> your phonetic waifu. The spoken <laughs> dictionary. Exactly. Uh, she can disambiguate me anytime. <laughs> well, in, I mean... Uh, in the parlance of the great Jimmy Wales of uh, Wikipedia... You mentioned whales in parlance, and I thought you were going to bring up under milk wood again. Uh, no, I, 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 you know, I think that's for the extra content. Okay, uh, okay, uh, that's a deep uh, dive. When, when I bring out the Richard Burton impression, <laughs> to begin at the beginning. <laughs> those great, those great thespians of uh, time gone by. Uh, uh, what a thespian! A, a thespian. Yeah, well, well, it was on purpose. It was like you know, <laughs> it was I was the, from the French. I, I thought I'd bring a bit of uh, tattoo into the mulch. <laughs> this is off to yeah. the start that I all the things needed. All the things you said. All the things you said running through my head. <laughs> <laughs>
tonight, Michael. Uh, this is not enough. Uh, well, and um, I'm looking forward to making out with you by a chain link fence in the <laughs> rain in, in a Russian school. Yeah. <laughs> well, they just can't accept us for who we are. Exactly, because we can't pay the tuition to be uh, foreign yeah. students. And J- Jordan Peterson is like the sugar daddy in the situation. He, well, I know he's kicking up an absolute storm in the rec room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this is the discourse I, I this is the discourse I'm facilitating. You know, Why don't you read my a... uh, my treaties on the Matrix trilogy? Well, when you're in a restaurant in a foreign country and they bring you discourse, you just accept it for what it is. Discourse, dat course, hors d'oeuvres, horse de fur. Exactly. Let me be the chauffeur of. Uh, of long form chat today by way of Jack Solomon Smith, by way of uh, Ginger Snap 67. And I might add that this is a stretched limo and we will be stretching the meaning of words beyond a point of irreparable damage to their significance or their contextual uh, importance in life. We, we're mm. going to be, through no fault of our own, we admonish ourselves of all guilt, but we are going to make an absolute uh, pig's ear of this. <laughs> yeah, as as um, ill-informed, loquacious puppeteers today. <laughs> with, uh, uh, with faces like unmade leather jackets. Exactly. Wax lyrical. And as as with all uh, ill-informed, loquacious puppeteers, um, (laughs) just thankful to have a platform to spread our disinformation across the internet. (laughs) Well, it's very popular these days. It's very popular. Yeah, yeah, well, like a dangerous hot jism. (laughs) That's me doing like a Norm MacDonald. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Well, well, Norm's not around to pick up the baton, so you've got to... Yeah, 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 yeah. The scatological relay. Who can hold the turd next? Play like a hot, play like a hot potato. Your, uh, your, uh, your ill-digested sweet corn of a thought. A kernel. We are playing ping pong. Uh, uh, We're playing pong on a CRT monitor the size of uh, a MacBook Air from two thousand nine, (laughs) and instead of it being Instead of it being a tennis ball, it is the it is the uh, genetic firmament of our brains that we are mm. shooting back and forth. Yeah. So okay, yeah. that's enough of that. Now. Fifteen that's minutes in, I've, bought, and it's, I've bought, ruined that. I've borderline ruined. Uh, the most experimental intro to the show yet. Let's say fifteen minutes into. Uh, Ginger, you've got to help us. F- 15 minutes mm. into the episode, and it's obvious that you two know each other. Okay. But how? <laughs> Explain to the kids how you guys know each other. <laughs> I, 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 I'll let you begin on this. I'll let you field this. Batman uh, begins. Um, well, <laughs> I'm not sure when we first met, but... It must be about nine years ago. Oh, let's not mention the number of years. <laughs> well, well I just, we, I like I mark I mark it every year, my friend. We, we were we were younger than today, that's for sure. But we um, uh, well, we both played in bands in the same city 
in the UK and uh, I'd released along with, uh, you know, Michael and, and I had released kind of songs uh, in different bands at a similar period of time when things were just heating up uh, in Birmingham and people were going to shows a lot more, you know, being 16, 17, it was very exciting to go and finally see these like jam-packed venues full of people, you know, watching bands that are kind of the same age as us. And it was through that that I met him. And I can't remember the specific encounter when we met, but we were just in the same the same pond, really, because we didn't have any reason to know each other apart from that, because uh, he's from a, the complete opposite side of the city to me. And uh, we didn't go to the same school or know yeah. any of the same people. I, you know? I think it showcases how... Uh that time was and how much of like how interconnected it had become mm, yeah and it was a real it became a real community and we became friends through through that community of just like-minded people well i say like-minded people i did everything i could to uh dissuade them from coming near me but they kept coming closer <laughs> and uh, michael, michael said some very nice things about about the music I was trying to make and the music I was collaborating with uh, yeah. and Harry Shaw at the time, uh, it was like he was a real cheerleader for that cause, which nobody else really was, to be honest. Uh, some people liked our music, but I remember Michael being, well, Druid. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I, I was waiting on the right time to correct you because we had real life friend of mine dr agon on the podcast and i thought i was a little hard on him when he doxed me to the community so i thought you know it goes hand in hand with what you're saying like uh, a cheerleader of what you were creating uh, and i think ginger will will attest to this uh that spirit i uh of of kind of appreciating what you do uh it's it's a fire that still burns because i i've been uh, I've been really excited for this episode because I've been like, you're, mm. you're going to love him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because he does that with, with my Twitch community as well. I mean, right. there are multiple people who have reached out to him to commission music and mm. he's participated in like my charity events by, you know, donating the the proceeds of his own music to whatever cause we're raising money for and like mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. money that he could keep i mean i would happily promote his music anyway because that's what i do but he's just like nope any money from it is going towards charity the you know the charity thing you're doing i appreciate it like the the initial cost of uploading the podcast i was gonna pay my half and he said donate it and so that's that's what I did. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> this. This is all making me look like Mother Teresa, which <laughs> really I'm not. But it's <laughs> it's those little things that happen behind the scenes and just kind of like privately, you know, being a musician, like it takes one person to come up to you and go, "Your singing fucking sucks." And yeah. like, it can just hit you the wrong way and it gets in your head. And then you're like, well, fuck, what do I do now? How do I fix this? What do I do to make it better? Like that kind of shit gets at you and it eats at you if you let it. 
mm-hmm. but those behind the scenes positive enforces that are just like, no, actually, it's really fucking good. Shh. <laughs> Fuck that yeah, guy. Well, Let's get a beer. Yeah. Like, I tr- I tried my best to not be behind the scenes. I was an active participant. Uh, uh, the music Jack makes is uh, left of center. Okay. Uh, you know, bordering on and and. and you know, I made. Well, I was on the. I was on the phone to you yesterday, Jack, and I made this yeah. point. I think you know you uh, you dive into areas in music that people uh, tend to stray away from. Uh, they would say it's an influence, but they don't actually take it on board. And I think you actually take like things like David Bowie, maybe a bit of David Bowie, uh, not to be All reductive by naming. All the Davids, uh, all the Davids, <laughs> all the time. Um, uh, you know, it, uh, hearing someone like pull from these influences in the way that you do was always really refreshing. Which is why I was such a champion. Of, Thank you. Thank you. Uh, your music, but that's that is. I, I actually remember the first time we interacted. Uh, funnily enough, uh, it was at Mustin Road. Mm-hmm. And I believe I handed you your first uh, illicit cigarette. Oh, aha! Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and he had he had the most hilarious reaction I've ever seen <laughs> uh, because he 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 sat there and he got stoned essentially, and he he was just in hysterics at how his mind had shut down and he was able to understand uh, the <laughs> simpler details in life. <laughs> it was absolutely, it was hilarious. You were like, I remember you saying to me, I understand uh, like why people would order a McDonald's right now or something to that effect. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love in, in it. Typical, in typical glib fashion I must, I, must I, mean, I, I say something like I understand now it's just being an idiot like being yeah being an idiot yeah being an idiot is like really fun uh, and and uh, and now he sponges off the state and um, completely <laughs> <surprised>. <laughs> it, it wasn't because of that but I mean I did have a, I did a, I did have a panic attack I think later that night from you you did you did I yeah of, I was one of those people that gets that, yeah we I should you through it man you got through yeah it, I was all right well, in the end but. yeah I was like come on champ you can get through this it was <laughs> oh, like it, 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 yeah it was like it was like narcotic money ball <laughs> <laughs> I was like Jonah Hill in narcotic money ball with this fucker and I was like you you gotta step up to the fucking plate man and then and then we've graduated into being like the two those two angry critic you know puppets in in the Muppet <laughs> Show that. Sniper, uh, everything. Uh, not the first time that uh, comparison has been made about me. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, laughing at Miss Piggy, like getting it. Peter, mm. Peter. <laughs> that sounds like an Animal Crossing kind of character. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found my, you know, Tom Nook. <laughs> Tom Nook is the Mister Krabs of fuck Tom if you, Nook. Yeah. This is (laughs) yo. I respect the hustle. Why the fuck not? (laughs) Even if even if he is possibly fracking on your island, (laughs) Tom Tom Nook is asked to frack your island. It's all about, as uh, Fred Durst once said, it's all about the nookie. 
Well, that's so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it, it's not. I know. I realize it's not the most engaging story, but uh, it's. Uh, well, it's uh, no, we 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 reconvened a few years later, though, after being at university and stuff, and um, we both bonded over over having a tough time of it. I think as well. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, we both had our battles with like mental health issues, and uh, yeah, I think some of those com- conversations that we had, like coming out of those times, were really helpful. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, and and hilarious in, as everybody who listens to this knows. Uh, Drew, it is a a, fo- a spouting, babbling brook of uh, uh, you know ephemera and trivia and. Uh, <laughs> And, and insightful collisions. I mean, I feel like uh, me and Drew had had the same poison chalice in a way of being front men that were trying to write and trying to sing and trying to produce it well. You know, yeah. we, we're, putting, yeah. we're putting far too much on our already adult teenage brains to achieve this sort of like yeah. lofty goal. And because of that, we were, well, not just because of it, but maybe in, Maybe us being that way to start off with was indicative of this, but I think we were just we're very harsh on ourselves when not meeting these kind of self-imposed, you know, ideas. Well, we can't let the listener at home know that I worry about everything I say to excess. <laughs> well, this is the origin story. This is before you, uh, you, you <laughs> broke bad. Yeah, yeah. Broke... <laughs> yeah the Heisenberg uh, and has entered the chat. I am the one who nooks. <laughs> uh, although, although uh, I wouldn't be able to rock that goatee though, uh, I think it's uh, it's Beneath problematic. <laughs> Problem, pro- problematic facial hair. Let's be honest. Uh, well, I mean, he's become a bit of an alt right symbol, hasn't he? Mm. Has he? I, is that right? I think s- meth is a bit of an alt right symbol. Uh, yeah, mm. I mean, yeah, it kind of all falls into place together. <laughs> The, the only way you can get out of the hot water of making the Mexicans the villains in every series up until five is you've got to you've got to you've got to make the Nazis the ultimate endgame of uh, the bad guys, right? Yeah, and and they uh, are. I mean, they are. So it's fun. Yeah, defund yeah. Putin, defund Putin's war, everybody. Um, defund, defund it. Defund. <laughs> defund, I mean, defund it. Uh, yes, more sanctions. Um, an iron fist. We do not san- we we do sanction this buffoonery. An iron fist mm-hmm. to the eye, the face of the iron curtain. Mm. You know, I have strong opinions, and I will say, a oh, fuck that guy." Mm. I, like I'm, I'm very. Uh, in the preamble to every podcast, we we talk for a little bit, and we and we chat, and uh, it's become evident to me that I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to unabashedly say, "Fuck this." <laughs> I've yeah. become more we, emboldened. Yeah, we often shy away from even touching that. Uh, you know, I think we're we're outside of the realms of that being far fetched, even in uh, like idle conversation of the kind we specialize in. Right. Because mm. uh, it's like it's bombardment at the moment. It's everywhere. Uh, well, thank you, listener at home, uh, for. Embracing idle chat with us while the world burns. Right. Mm. It's uh, 
So anyway, uh, on. T- <laughs> but but <laughs> next back. up on the next up on the Price is Right. <laughs> circling back though, like I love that we're getting more more folks that were involved in Druid's life away from what like my Twitch community knows him for and learning more about him in a way that's like, see things that like I know about him and Mm -hmm. things that I know just from, you know, us being friends and getting closer and, and talking about this and talking about that and stuff. But it's nice to hear and see like other people, people being like, nah, he's, he's just that way with everybody that like mm. he's, he's friends with. It makes except, me Except the, ta- except the tax man. Yeah. Fuck that guy. They're not friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, real Robin Hood approach to uh, taxes. Uh, if you're listening tax man, and I know you are. Got you again, sucker. <laughs> I'm uh yeah, I'm Russell Crowe in this fucking bitch. I'm Kevin Costner. I'm I'm coming for you. I'm well, coming you for you where it hurts. I'm you coming for your wallet. What, you can't decide what accent you're doing. <laughs> well, that's a, it's a struggle I feel every day. <laughs> it's hard to remain in character all the time. You know, it's like... Well, it's hard to stay in character, especially when you're Russell Crowe. <laughs> Mate, Fa- father to a murdered son, Mike. husband to a murdered wife. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, uh, investor fuck. in Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> Shareholder in Qantas Airways. So, uh, well, the, the reason why Druid is so generous about, you know, the, the profits of his music and stuff is because he was an early adopter of crypto. Uh, yes. So yeah. he's just secretly sitting on just a fucking pile of cash. He's hold yeah. holding it. Yeah, I, I am doing the holdo maneuver. Yeah. Obviously, uh, as as informed as X Ash A twelve's fucking babysitter. <laughs> yeah. It's- <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> oh my god it's uh... uh that was the most awkward silence i've ever fucking produced that's all right i i produce much much more uh awkward silences it's fine uh i i'm, well, now, I'm great at being feel, awkward uh, now i feel just peachy about it <laughs> <laughs> um, um but, yeah, yeah. So you produce, or you you've made music in the past, and you're also an artist. And yeah, so I've looked at your Instagram. I don't have Instagram anymore, so I can only mm. scroll so far down on your Instagram uh-huh. uh, to see things that you you put out on there. But it, from what I've seen, it's you do some stuff that really like I, I really like, and I don't have the concept of like any sort of realism to be able to put out some of the stuff that you do. And I, I like it. Thank you very much. Um, I, it's been, a well, it's like after university, I took kind of a couple years out really. Uh, that just it was like dealing with life stuff and uh, 
emotional fallout from from how things kind of had gotten when I was uh, living in the city. Um, but then I got back into it, drawing again. I'd been drawing for a long time. Um, it didn't necessarily come naturally to to draw like the some of the detail that I, I know. I know that I can just about, you know, uh, wrangle a, a figure and a line. Uh, and <laughs> mm. I'm, quite, I'm very, I'm very, you know, I'm very happy about that because it it did take a while, you know. I mean, really, of and I remember when I was a teenager trying to. Uh, sometimes just not sleeping and, and getting very over overly stressed out and excited about trying to get good at it, mm. but but uh, but then in the end I had to let go of that and I just kind of enjoy it again. Yeah. Um, and I find it's very cathartic sometimes to yeah to, tr to try and get what's in my head at you know into a an image that's that's like a film like a movie. I, I see them like movies really, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I've definitely seen that in your work, and it's funny you say that. I, I think there's a lot of you in there as well. Like mm. I feel like you pop up as a, <laughs> a as a character in your work quite a lot. Would you say that's fair to say? Uh, well, I suppose it's inevitable in a way. But uh, but like in 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 such a like I feel that that like so for those that don't well those that don't know, I mean uh, Jack actually had a he made a comic book uh called pilot no oh. and it's kind of a play on words because it was the first comic book i did so i i called it pilot <laughs> um but I, you know i felt like i could see you in the characters in that i could see you in the machination of that uh Impressive piece of work. Um, we we do a shout out at the end of the episode. Uh, is is pilot available to view online? It isn't at the moment, but I I'm looking to reprint it. Okay. Uh, it's I, I've never seen the complete work. I don't think. But uh, I have I have a PDF of it, which I I sometimes have been known to to give to people for for a small donation <laughs> well but i do want it out there again you know and i'd like you to see the full thing for sure like um, yeah yeah it seemed like a really uh you know to try and describe it uh to those who can't see the images it's uh you know very unique it, it follows the style of your art that you do kind of you know as standalone pieces in the there's this kind of in industrial desolation there, mm. uh, you know, again, kind of looking at like themes that, uh, you might find in cyberpunk, mm. if you would say it's fair to say, that's fair to say, um, yeah, really, um, really unique style, really worth checking out. Uh, I would advise anyone that can hear me to go and like, try and seek it out for yourself even though by his own admission i need a proper website i mean it's been it's kind of ridiculous that i don't have a better web presence so that is next on the to-do list really yeah um the but the cyberpunk thing as you mentioned i mean that that just came from uh i suppose we've all thought it like everybody especially is into video games i think nearly everybody's flirted with that 
style and, and loved mm. that imagery, I think. Um, yeah, but it, I think it's, you know, here's the thing about cyberpunk, uh, especially aesthetically and uh, thematically, it's so often done uh, in a, like a gaudy way that doesn't serve the, its best elements. And I would say that your art does serve those those elements. That kind of, you know, uh, not to do it the disservice of a comparison that I'm about to uh, actualize, but you know <laughs> that, that you know you know how how Ghost in the Shell is like a wonderful piece of like yeah. visual cyberpunk yeah. media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've also got Johnny Mnemonic, and, <laughs> and no matter how much like uh, in my heart I love Johnny Mnemonic, in my head I know uh, Johnny Mnemonic is garbage, especially when that dolphin comes into the equation. What are you, uh, the, Rollins? No, <laughs> no, no, no. You know the sentient dolphin. Um, <clears throat> no. uh, you, you you straddle the line perfectly of being Ghost in the Shell, not Johnny Mnemonic. Oh, thank you. And and and, <laughs> and and not a angry video game nerd in the year twenty fifty trying to play the original build of Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. <laughs> I mean, that will be me one day. I think. Um, yeah. Like, well, taking like, a taking a fat shit on a PS four. <laughs> what a what a piece of fucking garbage! Did somebody do that? Oh, well, it was, the angry sure. video game nerd he say he, he'll blow a turd on anything these days for a quick buck. <laughs> um, well, the the thing with the <laughs> <laughs> blow a turd has anybody yeah. ever said that sentence before? Blow uh, a turd. It, it, it's it's really big in the uh, glass manufacturer community. Mm. Um, well, the, I, I'm also you. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> She's blowing a few turds. We don't talk about her. Uh, we don't talk about. That. It was probably the best turd she ever blew. Okay. <laughs> so, with the art style of it, I um, of uh, pilot, I uh, I suppose if I was going to give any any of my personal idea about what makes cyberpunk kind of look good as a, as a general aesthetic is i think that it can't be too high tech uh i think a lot yeah a lot of things make the mistake of of having it having every building look like it was built in some massive you know uh metal lathe you know like everything's been built out of shurikens and stuff and Really, when you look at Blade Runner or you look at Star Wars, I mean, two of the most defining science fiction kind of imagery, you know, films, uh, they both have very lived-in worlds that that are built on... Well, that's what, you know, our favourite YouTube commentator, Tim Rogers, Action Button, he... Love he him. makes it. He makes a point on uh, when he talks about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. He says, "Wouldn't have, wouldn't it have been so much better." If uh, the assets were populated instead of like flat screen uh, monitors, it had like eighties CR broken up eighties CRT shit going on, and it, 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 you know we live in this like bubble at the moment of uh, nostalgia is king. Um, we like we like to see our musical artists 
uh, under a gauze of like artificial grain. We love that aesthetic. And there is a reason for it, and I think it's because it has that timeless quality to it, even though it's dated. I uh, like I know what I'm trying to say, but it's like hard yeah, to yeah. I, I think your um, um, uh, your your work your work encapsulates that facet of it really well. Thank you. I mean, there was a, a very intentional part of that, I think, where. Um, in some ways, because I, I was living in London at the time, uh, inevitably in a city, I think that you have uh, there will all be buildings and designs from previous decades, and especially the eighties had this thing going on where there was a lot of uh, a sense of futurism to the designs and a, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. kind of sense of, of optimism and uh, um, yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I think the 80s, perfect, like the 60s had this, you know, with the moon landing and everything like that, the 60s had this like, uh, like idealized version of the future. And then the 80s kind of takes the, like the Jetsons and makes, and, and posits the idea, what if the world of the Jetsons was fucked up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if it had you know like a like dust on it and things like that and what if what if uh, george jetson was living under the poverty line <laughs> what if george jetson you know finally had that sexual harassment lawsuit levied at him ay 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 that that uh, that robot what was that? yeah that's obvious sex robot i don't uh, i don't like the i don't like Ro- the rosie like, i thought the jetsons were a bit like aren't they like the waltons in space yeah yeah, yes. so they were always like, I don't know, I felt like they were a psyop. <laughs> well, uh, I actually felt like uh, the robot servant Rosie was coded as the as the woman that owned, um, like a, a cybernetic version of the woman that owned Tom in Tom and Jerry. Therefore, right. it becomes a racial issue. Mm. Really? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, like a kind of... Uh... A stereotype. Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the pride and the uh, pride and prejudice. Uh, what I can't remember the character's name. The the black servant in pride, pride and prejudice, mm. codified mm. into uh, a, a a fucking shit robot. Mm. Well, that is a yeah. It's a you wanted to make the Jetsons highbrow. There you go. It just shows how. How deeply in the mire of uh, ontological, um, you know, problems the Jetsons is as a show. Um, <laughs> and don't get me started on the Flintstones. Oh, <laughs> well, the Flintstones—they were the honeymooners, yeah. but on uh, cartoons. Yeah, back to the fucking Stone Age. <laughs> yeah, it's like bang zoom. Wilma, where's my dinner? Mm-hmm. And um. I still love the scene in Red Dwarf season three, the first series, first episode of that, where uh, Lister and the cat are on their bunk beds watching old reruns of uh, the Flintstones, and they both find themselves asking, like, if they would go with Betty or uh, Wilma. And oh yeah, yeah, it's a great scene, really good scene. Um, so that, I guess that's my first question to you uh, on today's part: uh, Betty or Wilma? <laughs> 
Um, and, and give me a concise reason why. Don't don't fuck don't okay, pussyfoot I'll, I'll give, around. I'll give you the full reason why. Okay, so it's a, it's a tricky one, but um, but I mean, if 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 there wasn't somebody I already liked in the real world, and if I was a cartoon character. <laughs> Or if some sort of weird science oh, experiment had happened, I start to wonder if I'm a cartoon character already. <laughs> if these if these ladies existed and I was a you know uh, a bachelor, I would consider that I think uh, I think I think it's it's got to be Betty because I knew you were going to say is, that because you're hair, a simp. Hair is, because you're a simp. You no, no, her, her hair hair was uh, hair was darker. Uh, the husband would put up less of a fight. Um, nice blue dress, great, great color coordinate. You know, the the sad thing about the truth of the Flintstones is when Betty sets up her OnlyFans as a brontosaurus that has to walk in a hamster wheel to make the server run. <laughs> yeah, no, that is yeah. one of the more dark moments, isn't it? Yeah. My last job was with manyvids.com. <laughs> Looks at the camera. <laughs> Michael slowly, slowly uh, showing his uh, his viewing history with a title. Not many, not everybody knows about many vids. Uh, what they have many vids. <laughs> they have so many. I used vids. to I used to work on Blip TV. Uh, I only know what many vids is because I had Tumblr. Okay, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not like fapping relentlessly. I remember uh, when despite Tumblr, how it might sound. Tumblr used to be used to be an X-rated thing, and you, well, you remember when they 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 took its balls off? Yeah, when Yahoo well, well, bought they, Tumblr, and then sorry, anything that's not safe for work is going bye bye. <laughs> yeah. They AOL'd my LOL. Into, oh my god! I no. I hate everything you just said. <laughs> I'll just ask Jeeves uh, to wipe my history away with his feather duster. Well, well, the thing is, like, <laughs> the thing is, Tumblr in its prime was a great place to find very arty erotica. Yes. And now, mm. like, genuinely, genuinely, and now it, that's like uh, pretty much cut off. And that was a shame because that stuff was very inspiring. You know. Um, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. I, it wasn't I, I, just titillation. It was, it was kind of an experience, you know. Yeah, I like watching silhouettes of penetration as well. <laughs> the the thing with Tumblr, <laughs> I, listen, I'm, I'm I'll circle back to uh, silhouettes of penetration. Um, words I never thought I would string together. I don't uh, know what that means, even. But <laughs> so the thing with Tumblr was like. You could be unabashed. Like, there's pockets of the internet where you can just be unabashedly who you were. And, like, Reddit is the toxic shithole that Tumblr was, but Tumblr had a prettier face on it. Um, yeah. but Tumblr was old face. Dude, Tumblr was, was fucking wild. And we, one late drunken night, uh, Drew and I actually found our respective Tumblrs. <laughs> We even f- looked at MySpace account, like looked for MySpace accounts, mm-hmm. and like we were diving back into fucking old internet because now Tumblr is still a thing, but it's mm-hmm. not like all of the the people who are just like, "Oh, fucking Tumblr sucks now." They all migrated to Twitter well mm-hmm. after a lot of people had already been on Twitter, mm-hmm. and like because. 
I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm a I'm a social media person. Like that's just kind of what I do. But I try to stay out of the cesspool sides of Twitter until they directly yeah. affect me. Tumblr, mm-hmm. like the cesspool sections of Tumblr, just fucking seeped into everything I did. And so I mm-hmm. slowly started backing away from the platform. Tumblr is still on my phone. I still get notifications from Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! That One are, of the few that are just like this person liked your post. This person reblogged your post. This person sent you a question. I'm like, this thing has been dead for like six years. <laughs> yeah, put the put the dog down, man. Like, so some, I think some young people still use it. Actually, I think mm-hmm. there's like a new wave of people that go on there to have make a blog. I think. Yeah, but that's insane that. to me. I know, but it, I think it's just like how do they? What, how how do Gen Zers have time between not having sex and investing in Doge? Well, I think that people don't know Gen Z as much as they think they do. Gen Z, it's surprising enough that Gen Z. Like they, the the true Gen Zers, and not like your your social media clout chasers, mm-hmm. they're not investing in crypto. They're trying to get enough money together to buy that one bottle of wine they get for the week mm-hmm. to take yeah. the edge off after a long day, and they're like, you know, watching things fall apart, and they're just like, meh, I'm used to it. We're like. The generation that we're from, it's like, oh no, things started falling apart when we were kids, but we still remember the good times before. <laughs> yeah, and and we know which Hogwarts house we're in. Right. I mean, things haven't fallen apart so much as they've just been defunded and privatized to the point where they can't exist without like life support machines of 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 like. Well, you know, here's the thing about Gen Z is uh, they're trying to find the seven Dragon Balls all the time, <laughs> and when they do, instead of a wish, they just they, <laughs> instead of a wish, they just get a sponsored link uh, for sex toys on Wish.com. Right. It, Gen Z, I, I see this meme that crops up all the time, and it's uh, like a stick figure of a millennial or like a, a Gen Zer. And then there's a bigger stick figure in armor just protecting them from a barrage of arrows. And it's a millennial just like, doing okay down there? Yeah, you good? No, but I'll make it through. And the Gen Zers just like, me too. And it's like, when when did it <laughs> when did it become this? Because <laughs> our generation is the generation that's fighting so hard for like climate change and equal rights and, and all this kind of stuff. And Gen Zers are just like, yeah, no, these are things that should have happened. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the millennial version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is uh, basically where Donatello has his shell on his back and it's his home on his back, but he has to rent it and he doesn't own it himself. Yeah. What about the other side of the. Well, I mean. Is it like Master Splinter is like Jordan Peterson or something? <laughs> I mean, it all comes back to Peterson. Yeah. Save it for your TED Talks. It's... My Teddy Talk. Oh, my. My my Ted, you know, um, Seth MacFarlane's Ted Talks. <laughs> <laughs> ah! 
Seth MacFarlane's Ted does talk, and oh, that was the worst talk. bit of the movie. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. That was uh, uh, a jewel in the crown of Mark Wahlberg's career. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really drew attention away from uh, Max Payne. Yeah, the Max Payne um, didn't draw attention away from his heavy Boston accent. No. Which Max, gets like heavier when he's drunk. Max, Max Payne is is a is a Brooklyn Irish guy, and the uh, the idea of a Bostonian not even trying to cloak their accent when performing that role was a sad thing for me. Because <laughs> I I, I, cloak, I cloak my accent every day, and nobody thanks me for that. Oh, this is a grief that I'm sure the whole internet shares with you right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, your accent. We come from the same city. Your <laughs> your accent is uh, an anomaly. I think. A lilting oasis, man. How do you how do you do that? A lilt, a lilt. Um, thank you. I don't know if it is an oasis. I think it's more of a. What's that vitamin water that? Fifty cent. What bought? vitamin water? <laughs> <laughs> is that he refers to vitamin I'd, water? I'd say it's more of a vitamin water than Oasis. Um, <laughs> does that work? Yeah. Does that joke well, travel? Well, 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 does that work? <laughs> it was uh, fresh from the West Midlands uh, vending machine, man. So, I mean, basically what happened was I grew up listening to... I, I was homeschooled and I grew up listening to uh, British uh, Broadcasting uh, Corporation. BBC News, mm. uh, Radio Four, which is like Radio Four is like the last bastion of, of like, uh, a kind of received pronunciation, uh, English speaking. Uh, you know, accent. It, it is. It is. Um, the, it's archaic, it, really. It, it it still has that. It still operates under those parameters uh, of being. So twee and British that it, it it fucking hurts to hear it because it's and now on Radio Four. Yeah, because it's like it's like run by Mary Poppins or something. Yeah, it's mm. definitely like a, I think if an and American if you if if an American came to England and they awoke to the sound of Radio Four morning news, they would literally feel like they're on a different planet. I think to to when well, they're in. I, I, I think it would be the. I think it would be the thing that reaffirmed every stereotype. Yeah, pretty much. I yeah. Uh, oh. But but I mean, bloody but, you know, bloody horrible. The news today. Uh. They don't. They're not like that. They are more yeah. sober than that. <laughs> the, the thing about them that's good is they're not hysterical in the in in the BBC Radio Four. They don't put across the news in an overly emotional way. Which is actually quite a good thing, I think, because yeah. the yeah. last thing you want is Glenn Beck crying at you. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the, you know, he doesn't the, do anymore. He's like a, he's gone full Joker now, hasn't he? He's become Jokerified or whatever. But... You know how I got these scars. <laughs> but, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna tell an elaborate story and decided not to. <laughs> but I, I re- the worst part of Radio Four is the news for me because I, I find news. It's not that I'm skeptical of. Of all the of all the messaging and news um, per se, it's more just I think that there's something inherently uh, disorientating and depressing about being told about things that you may or may not have any say in, you know. Um, 
because it, it's really distracting, I think. So for the people at home, imagine if Alex Jones uh, was still able to get the fucking quaaludes that drove him insane. And that's Radio 4. Uh, Realising that (laughs) nobody knows what the fuck we're talking about. Fucking, I just thought of, my my thought of Alex Jones on on quaaludes just fucking sent my brain spiraling. Going ape, going ape. Fuck, dude, that man, he needs to, like, do something. Uh, he fucking, ugh. Been doing it a long time, hasn't he? He has. Not as long, long as, I don't think not as long as Rush Limbaugh, because Limbaugh was at it for a long time. Um, but then he's retired now, right? Uh, Limbaugh died. Oh, oh, he died. <laughs> he was retired. He was re- he was retired from the Mortal like a Blade Runner, a Blade Runner reference, if ever there was one. Right. He uh, did. He died. So rest in power, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, no, uh, fuck that guy. I'm, I much preferred your earlier material. Uh, <sighs> closer to the heart and fucking. He's a twenty-one twelve. Scummy piece of shit. Oh, we're not talking about Rush the band. No. No. Oh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, fuck, fuck that guy. I'm going to totally pretend I, I know who he is. Alex Jones is only 48 years old. Yep. Um, well, I, well, I see you're saying there's, there's time yet uh, for, no, for no. him to atone. No, no, no. What I mean, <laughs> there's like, time for him to admit no, that he no, was uh, Bill Hicks what, all along. What, what I find interesting about... He's more likely to be Andy Kaufman, I think. But um, In fact... But it's interesting to chart his evolution, isn't it, as a public figure? Because looking at his IMDb page, sorry to bring this up because I thought this episode might be free of that. But with me and Druid, it was never going to happen. So he was in Waking Life, Richard Linklater's Waking Life, which is a, a great film. And he was in A Scanner Darkly by Richard Linklater. So obviously, Richard Linklater is pretty liberal, I think. So the idea that he was okay enough to appear on those films shows that in about 2001 and to 2006 he was pretty sober in his in his stuff right is that fair to yeah. say uh well just by virtue of the fact that he was collaborating with richard Linklater. um but by considering the fact that richard Linklater would be prepared to pay him money to be given some kind of public right. platform by being, so we're, we're we're trusting Richard Linklater as no, a, no, I'm just, as I'm a just, social barometer. No, no, I well, I actually kind of would, to be honest, on some level, because look at the films. It goes from Waking Life, Scanner Darkly, a, a Philip K. Dick, you know, uh, yeah, adaptation, and then the next movie he's in is The Obama Deception, two thousand nine, and End Game, two thousand seven. So it's almost like his. It flipped where he was somehow acceptable in a vaguely art house setting, and then became. Um, he probably watched Waking Life um, on drugs, and that's what did it. Yeah. Because mm. that 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 film's fucking crazy. It's, it was crazy. Yeah. I get recommended every once in a while these oddly like cerebral fucking movies and stuff that I don't like I enjoy them I don't typically seek them out and everybody mm-hmm. goes like oh you know Memento and and uh Fight Club they're so cerebral I'm like no I'm talking like real cerebral f- like fuck with you yeah 
movies. Now, uh, to be fair, I the, A Scanner Darkly is a film I've heard of, but I've not actually seen it. Yeah. So, but like, I've heard that it it's one of those movies that can really fuck with you. Well, I mean... In a certain way. I guess. I think it's like... Um, I think Cascana Darkly is... Uh, I think it's visual style. Yeah. It, it has a lot. Uh, but, you like know, if you, if you wanted to go... like Waking Life is the one, really, that I think has the potential to like mess with your melon a little yeah. bit more. Okay. But they both have they both have very similar visual styles, and I, I they both I, employ a, a style called rotoscoping, right? Where you draw yeah. over every frame. Yeah. yeah, but where where it differs from rotoscoping is, I think that they keep so they draw the actors act in the scene, and then they drew they rotoscope the animation on top, but then also kept elements of the real actors underneath. Yeah, mm. so it it looks. It just doesn't look right. I like neither film looks right, but that's like the point. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of darkly looks amazing and uh, is. Uh, it's genuine. not for it's not for everyone. Well, I mean, if you're into Philip K. Dick at all, or you like his 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 life story, I think it's an interesting film as well. And Robert Downey Jr. is in it, and pre Iron Man mm-hmm. Downey Jr. performance. Um, yeah. Downey Jr. and uh, I, I like a lot of his earlier works predating Iron Man. And I I mean, I like a lot of the things he's done since Marvel. Like, I mean, that's he's a good actor, in my opinion. But like him and also um, a controversial yet brave opinion here. Uh, I enjoy Johnny Depp. Right. Mm. And there are people who will be like, you like Johnny Depp? He just does the same shit. Blah, 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 blah. No, bitch. Go back to, you know, Edward Scissorhands, Winona Ryder. Yeah, okay, fine. But look at, um, because he was in, I want to make sure that I'm correct in this. He was in a film called Chocolat. And I watched that movie with my mom. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. like she showed me that movie and like I I enjoyed it. Um, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Like these early, his early movies that required him to act and not be eccentric. Mm-hmm. Fucking it's love a, them. He, I think he's great, really. Um, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, Beckett, Beckett, Beckett is himself into a corner. He, yeah. And he, he char- character acted himself into a franchise. Well, mm. I don't even think it's necessarily his fault. I, I, I truly don't. I think Amber Heard has a lot to do with it. Um, well, she has a lot to do with the fact that he'll be acting in Bruce Willis, like a Bruce Willis straight to video movie in Venezuela next week. Dude, it's that's fucking like I feel so bad for that whole situation. Well, you know what's what's crazy is that it feels like the world is on Johnny Depp's side, but like the weight of cancellation has still like disallowed him from coming out of the rubble. Yeah, it's because Amber Heard took advantage of 
the situation that was caused by Weinstein getting figured out. And Mm -hmm. people who just read headlines and don't look into things and, like, actually read the story, they just see, oh, Johnny Depp, you know, physically retaliated against Amber Heard. Guess what? Amber Heard fucking lied. And, yeah, Depp was drunk all the time and he was strung out. But guess what? When you're being abused, what the fuck do you think happened? Like, people... There's a such a thing with cancel culture now where people are just like, nope, it doesn't matter. People can never learn. They can never change. Fucking Johnny Depp is one of those people who I want to see have a Brendan Fraser type renaissance. <laughs> I want and, it so bad. <laughs> well, I think I'm sure it's going to happen. People like him still. Enough people like him, I think. Mm-hmm. That it, it, I mean, does he really want to be in the biggest films anymore surely he's done that enough yeah. well i i think that we need to look at the fact that he his band the hollywood vampires that he does with alice cooper shows that he mm. will do anything <laughs> yeah and and then you think like his turn as uh, grindelwald in fantastic beasts and you're like mm-hmm. this fucking dude was up at that point to just do whatever the fuck like was coming through his right like, mailbox and but think about where he was at that point in his life too. Like shit's been hitting the fan for years, and oh, like, yeah, you know everybody's like, oh Helena Bonham Carter, like she's always been blah blah well, blah. No, like Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter, I feel like are the people who probably kept him the most fucking sane. Yeah, but but like you know, here's what. Here's what I would have wished for Johnny Depp, but and I think he was totally like able to achieve it is um, like a kind of Nick Cage thing. Yeah. You see what I mean? You know how Nick Cage uh, is able to uh, purvey eccentricity and like craziness in a way that uh, is like generally accepted as being like fucking art. Mm-hmm. Rather than you know, you know, there's the meme aspect of it, but then also like, uh, so for instance, I saw Quentin Tarantino did an interview like the other week, and he he said like Nick Cage is one of the three best actors of our t- uh, our time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could see Johnny Depp doing those fucking off the wall, weird fucking roles that are like by interesting directors up and coming, doing like fucking interesting things. Mm-hmm. And I think his career was down the pan. Like as soon as he signed on that deal to play fucking Grindelwald, man. Yeah. Or, or maybe even as far back as uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes fucking sense. Like it's, it's wild. Like, um, he, Nick Cage is fuck you got me thinking about Nick Cage and I saw a preview for one of his new movies this year that's fucking wild it's so meta but it's perfect for Nick Cage I I want to see Johnny Depp come out of all of this bullshit and just a better in a better fucking place where he can do things that are so fucking campy and wild because this new movie have you guys seen the trailer for the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have indeed. Yeah. So I saw that preview in the theater 
Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can't tell me that Nick Cage probably hasn't experienced something like this. <laughs> because of how eccentric the guy already is outside of fucking outside of movies and and stuff. Like he's just an eccentric kind of dude. And I I love it, but oh my god. <laughs> Like. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like the look of that movie. Uh, one I always go to for Nick Cage, Port of Call, uh, Bad Lieutenant, Bad, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fucking uh, directed by Werner Herzog. Absolute powerhouse of fucking. No, movie. I've not seen that. You know, <laughs> it's so good. It's I know so... that it, it does look fun though. It's got exhibit in it. Mm. Oh my god. Um, he's good in Vampire's Kiss. You ever seen that? He's like, oh my god! Well, that's the, mm-hmm. you know the big, the big fucking up, up there with Showgirls for me is one of the greatest, <laughs> one of the greatest, greatest pieces of American expressionism in the, in the movies. Uh, <laughs> what a bold, uh, a wonderfully bold statement uh, that I hope righteously is pissing. I hope it echoes through. I history. hope that's pissing off like. <laughs> About a hundred people right now. Here <laughs> well, see, I I'm looking at Nick Nick Cage's IMDb, and I forgot that like I forgot that Mandy was a recent movie. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. I tried to watch Mandy once, and I couldn't. I, I I couldn't do it. There was something about the movie Mandy that I that I couldn't. I couldn't do it. But that was also the same weekend that I saw Midsummer. Uh-huh. Right. And fucking Ari Aster. God damn. But I I have a buddy who just really loves Nick Cage. And so he has like talked to like the, the group chat that I'm in with him and a bunch of other people. Um, he brings up Mandy quite a bit. And I'm just like, bro, I can't. There's something about that movie that I can't fucking watch it. I couldn't make it through the first 20 minutes of it. And I want to because... I've heard Nick Cage does a phenomenal job. Why can't you make it through it? Do you think? Um, so given some some content warnings about it, yeah, it just it struck like hit too many nerves and and struck too many too many chords with me that I was just like, nope, I'm a I'm a just take a nap That's instead. Fair like completely fair enough. But it, that's that's one of the things about knowing my limits with things mm-hmm. too, and after seeing Midsummer, and then trying to watch that movie the next day because Midsummer just fucks with you so much. It is quite a double feature, you know, try and watch those two films. <laughs> and the, the dude I went to see Midsummer with, he was fucking high as a kite. He was orbiting Mars and... Like when the <laughs> when the dude and the chick just jump off the rock cliff and he doesn't die, I'm sitting there just like chill, like okay, this is what's happening. This is this is what I'm seeing. Okay, and he's got his face buried into my shoulder. He's just like, oh, oh God, what is happening? I feel it <sighs> in my legs, and I'm like, it's okay. Take a deep breath. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Jay and Silent Bob remake that nobody knew was coming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so snoochy like, boochies ginger fuck man but like i remember seeing like the rock when i was l- a little and face off and like old nick cage stuff mm-hmm. 
And I think the most recent thing I've seen him in is probably Kick-Ass. Oh, yeah. He's like, uh, great. He was great in that movie. He did such a good job. And that's when I realized, I think, how I, I'm I'm okay with his eccentricity because he plays that character in Kick-Ass almost kind of meta. And I love it. I fucking love it. Also, I'm ready to call him Big Daddy on a fucking dime any day of the week. <laughs> right? Big Daddy Nick. What's up, Big Daddy Nick? Ah. Yeah, yeah, fucking keep going, Nick. <laughs> he's like, uh, you know, forget that he's fucking Francis Ford Coppola's nephew for a sec. I was about you to say, I didn't realize that he he was the nephew of Coppola. Uh, read an interesting fact about Coppola that he has made more money on uh, making wine than he ever did in like, the fucking movies. I mean, yeah, that's. But thinking of the days of 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 Coppola, like the just kind of the the height of of Coppola. Yeah, I'm a hipster shill because uh, Apocalypse Now is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Didn't he start his own production company back then? American Zoetrope. Yeah, with George, with old George Lucas. Yeah, 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 exactly correct. In San and Francisco. He, he, he made his passion project and it was the, the greatest Hollywood bomb that had ever happened at that time. Which one? Oh, you're picking my brain here. Um, Oh, in the nineties, right? No, uh, I think it was in the eighties. It was the it was it was the it was the biggest box office bomb of the time, though. It was re- it's really stylized and Bigger it's than a Pluto lo- Nash. Uh, well, Pluto Nash was just an apple in fucking Eddie Murphy's ballsack at that time. I forgot that he fucking wrote, or he didn't write, Jesus, I read, uh, writer, um, he directed The Outsiders. I fucking forgot about that. Holy shit. Uh, much maligned, he, he directed that movie with Robin Williams, uh, Jack. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, a classic. Mm. Yep. Really well, Francis, Francis Coppola made one of the best films of all time, which is The Conversation. <laughs> That's a great film. I don't True. know if I've seen that one. I don't think I've seen the conversation. You've never seen the conversation, Mike. Uh, Druid. Yeah, yeah, good save. Um, uh, no. It's uh, Gene Hackman giving it the beans. I'm ready for Hackman any any day of the week. Hackers, man. It's recommended for fans of uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Watch the conversation. Get yourself. Get yourself a real movie. Speaking of Gene Hackman, uh, have you seen that Grimes has come out today saying that she hacked the website Hipster Runoff? I used to... Forced it to be deleted because uh, they uh, published a photo of her having a lesbian kiss. You know, I um, I did just see that headline. I uh, I used to read that site. I won't say what I thought of it, but I did read it. Uh, take listeners at home. Take take from that what you will. Uh, advocate of uh, peddling hipster smut or urbane social critic. We'll let you decide. <laughs> can't it be both? I mean, it can't. It cannot be both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. A bane social critic. That's that's the lane we all want to inhabit, like the level-headed George Costanza of Seinfeld. <laughs> the level-headed George Costanza. Uh, that we all yeah. wish we were. Yep, yep. Absolutely. What is the deal with the conversation? <laughs> what? Do, uh, <laughs> you sound like Obama when you did that. Kind of an Obama <laughs> delivery. Yeah, well, uh, I want to thank uh, Michelle for uh, letting me out of the Air Force One bunker. <laughs> and straight into the bestseller list. Thank you, America. I'm trying to look for the film that lost all his money. I can't find it. Uh, uh, 1989. No, what's he director of? He was the director, right? Of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it can't, this can't be right. Uh, this is entertaining to uh, absolutely nobody. Um, uh, Godfather Part 3 was... Uh, was that like 90... Nine, fucking that, that six, 90. 6 or something? 90? Uh, really? Did he do that as a like to make money back though? Yeah, already? he did. He did Godfather yeah. three to to largely pay off debts. But when he was in Reno working on the script, he managed to lose ten thousand dollars at the casino, uh, and his gambling is what radically altered yeah. the course of his career. So yeah, here's the the film I was referring to. I found it. It's called One from the Heart. It's nineteen eighty two. The movie cost twenty six million dollars to make. Which in 1982 is fucking massive. Mm-hmm. How, wait, how much did it make at box office uh, uh, domestically? You ask. Six hundred and thirty-six thousand mm. dollars. That's like, and that was the the flagship movie uh, of Zoetrope Films. Well, and, that, and you know what's amazing is considering the budget. The tagline, or like the the short blurb for the film on IMDb is, a couple has a fight after living together five years in Las Vegas. They go out and celebrate 4th of July, each with a new partner. Breakup? (laughs) (laughs) Sleepless in Seattle did it with more class. It it doesn't necessarily sound like uh, a winning setup, does it, for a drama, but I don't know. Uh, he got his money back on uh, when Peggy Sue got married, mm-hmm. which I believe is the first uh, acting credit of Jim Carrey. That wow. sounds right. I was there's a, a a series that has led a series of uh, clicks that has led me to to this uh, this topic, but it's along the same vein. I was looking at the Outsiders and forgot that uh, Tom Waits was was in the Outsiders. And oh my god. Tom Waits was in this this movie that not a lot of people that I know have have heard of it, have seen it. Um and, but the cast that's in it, it, like you should. Um it's a movie called Wrist Cutters, a love story. Gerard <laughs> uh, Wise right on that one. So but it's it's got Tom Waits, Will Arnett, Mark Boone Jr. It's got uh, Mary Pat Gleason. It's got Nick Offerman in it. Like, wow! This, this is an 
early, like this is a movie from 2006. The tagline is life is a trip, but the afterlife is one hell of a ride. It should, the tagline should have been parks and recreation, recreation spelt with a W. The, this is far from any, like anything. This is a far departure from anything that these people are known for. And that's what I fucking loved about this movie. What's it's it called again? Wrist Cutters, A Love Story. Such a captivating name. Right? Mm-hmm. But it was the there was a novella that it was based off of called Neller's Happy Campers. And it's fucking wild. It's a wild ride. And this is one of those movies that kind of like fucking hit me. Uh, hit me too. She, uh, I don't know how to say her name. Shia Wiggum is in it. Who's who? Chief Wiggum. No, not she, Chief Wiggum. Uh, this 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 dude who's been in and stuff. He's got like a long list of fucking credits too. He's become like a character actor. He got this was one of his first fucking roles. Like it's so weird that this movie has all of these kind of like lesser known fucking people in it, and it's just fucking. It's it's wild. It's a wild fucking ride. And I love it so much. It was so good. It's one of those movies that I go back and I revisit every once in a while. But it it like it it definitely like hits you in the in the feels, but it it's so so good. But Tom Waits had led me into this fucking like down this fucking uh track to this movie. <laughs> it's requiem, requiem for a stream returns god damn dude but like if you haven't seen it it's a movie that i definitely recommend to just like it, it makes you think about things in such an odd way and that's one of the things i love about yeah. it it's officially transitioning to the top of my watch list because that is, uh, it sounds pretty fucking. Yeah, it does sound my, insane, yeah. So much, so far up my street, it's in my driveway. Like. It's literally knocking on your door right now. To, to give <laughs> yeah. a quick summary of what it's about is, without spoilers, is if you are one of those people that, that takes your own life, you end up in a purgatory. And whatever method you chose to take your own life, that is evident in how you live your life in purgatory. Purgatory is just filled with other people who have taken their own life. So, like, if you shot yourself in the head, you cover up the the holes, but you just walk around like that. And right. this dude decides, you know what? I'm kind of fucking tired of this. I'm just going to go do something else. And takes off with his his roommate. And they run into this chick who believes she shouldn't be there. And so it's the story of them trying to find the people in charge. And it's so... Wizard of Oz. It's so <laughs> fucking weird though like the car the the car that they drive around in the front passenger seat if you drop something in the floor it disappears into a void forever and it's, okay. just, and it's just gone so like you drop your sunglasses say goodbye like it's so 
That's the most Jim Jarmusch thing I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's so fucking weird, but I love it so much. You know, I'm just thinking if I die uh, and I've not killed myself, mm. which God willing that is, you know, won't be the case. Um, and I find myself in purgatory with Tom Waits. I'll know I really shot myself in the foot. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> it's just it's it's fucking wild, like. But when I am in a mood to watch, like, uh, wrist cutters, like, it's just something that's, like, been brought up. It's like, you know what? I kind of want to watch this movie. Like, there's something about uh, – this is a big circle back. Just stay stay with me here. <laughs> the kind of art that I end up running across is very much what I see on your Instagram, Jack. Oh, let me try and – there's, there's the, the art you run across. Wait, the art you run across in so, this. So I like when I get into these like mm-hmm. moments of like, nope, I want to watch this type of content, or I'm really feeling this kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. I end up finding art that's in kind of the same vein as yours. Okay. And like that's what I'm taking in. That's what I'm absorbing. That's what I'm looking at and seeking out. And then, like, it comes out in my own yeah. art, and it's it's fucking yeah. weird. But I love this. Sorry, I'm in a fucking... Uh, I, I tell you what, like, uh, the most roundabout and wonderful compliment that you could ever receive, Jack, I would say. It's... Yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's, it, it's a big one, and thank you very much. Uh, it's... Um... I'm still thinking about waking life. I think that's in my head. I keep thinking of waking life for some reason. I'm distracted. By Go the fuck to sleep. Oh fuck! <laughs> it's been the story of my week. <laughs> the, the androids dream of count Dude. sheep or counting Ethereum points. Oh my god! I mean, I yeah, it's like the movie you mentioned is like uh i like that it's kind of like someone's dream almost i like movies that feel like they don't have to have come from one person but they the story has to feel very much like it has its own rules i think and that's what makes it so exotic and exciting you know you know it's funny you say that though because if you think the original treaties of cinema as an art form Mm. uh you know, they would say Hollywood is where dreams come true, where dreams are made and bottled and sold. And it's funny, that, you know, that you gravitate towards these dreamlike narratives uh, and it kind of showcases and mirrors uh, how disenfranchised, when we become inundated with culture, we become disenfranchised with it to the point where our, the dream weaving that we go and search for is so bleak. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes out the other end. Uh, the most uh, intelligent sentence I'll ever utter on this podcast, so don't expect lightning to strike twice. <laughs> Discerning listener at home. Uh, I'm, well, pretty sure, mean, I'm pretty sure the only person still listening is the ghost of fucking Robert Ebert's past. I don't, I don't know. If someone, if you, if you, this is very grim, but obviously if you, if you end your own life and you end up in purgatory, it doesn't sound that bad. Um, to end up in that kind of purgatory with a a car with a right. bottomless bottomless glove compartment. 
Um, <laughs> oh, 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 the uh, imagine the uh, disappointment of arriving in that purgatorial plane and expecting to hear the fourth Nirvana album, only to find out that Courtney Love did it all along. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh. Uh, so I have a. <laughs> well, what did she do, Mike? Uh, 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 she gave him the gonorrhea. <laughs> so... She caught. She caught it off Madonna. Madonna Rhea. Madonna Rhea. There it is. <laughs> There's the episode title. So I have a. I have a question for you guys, and this is a thought that's been kicking around in my head that I've wanted to ask you, Druid, but I feel like Jack is a great person to ask as well. Can you yeah. guys, are you guys able, if I were to say, like, imagine an apple. Can you clearly yeah. you, see an apple in your in your head? Yeah. Yeah. And if I say, imagine taking a bite out of that apple. Can you, can you, like, imagine the, the taste and what the inside <laughs> of the apple looks like? Just, just f- follow along with me here. Yeah, I can. Weirdly, I can imagine Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers saying the apple. I don't quite know where that's come come from, uh, but please carry on. Okay. Yes, so, I, I I believe I can. Uh, I can taste it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. And do you feel the? Can you imagine the feel of the juices being like sticky? <sighs> yeah, man. that's okay. a little harder for me, but I can. Absolutely. Now. Okay, so I can recall what it's supposed to taste like and what it's supposed to feel like. I can't imagine the apple. And what that is, that's called aphantasia. Yeah. And (laughs) aphantasia is a phenomenon in which people are unable to visual, like unable to visualize things. Mm-hmm. they're able yeah. to like most people are able to conjure up a scene in their mind and imagine things, but people with aphantasia can't. And the funny thing is, is people with aphantasia very rarely have dreams that involve visual imagery. Mm. But is that mm-hmm. true of you? Do you have dreams with visual imagery? Very. It's, it's only in very intense, like nightmares. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I just dream like feelings and sounds and stuff, like all the other senses, but the visual stuff. So, so you, you dream a Daft Punk concert, is what you're saying? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but, it's, like, but you're but you're outside the venue, and you can hear, you can feel the bass. Uh, yeah, but you can't. Yeah, yeah. It's, but I think that's why I why I have a, a, a struggle with like because Druid knows the kind of art that I do. And I think that's why I focus more on yeah. abstract. Uh, uh, for I Jack, um, yeah. So, yeah, like, think Pollock, really. I mean, Jack, you know, you'd be mm. the first to admit, Ginger, I think, you know, Jackson Pollock is the kind of main, uh, I imagine the main thing that you get in response to your art. I Yeah, I would say so. Um, so I do abstract representations of people, just so how... Uh, how I visualize them with colors and shapes and uh, like flow. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I put on the canvas because I can't like, I can recall sort of what the picture of like 
Druid looks like that I put on the website. I can mm-hmm. recall what people look like, but to conjure up a, you know, if I were to try to visualize and, you know, describe a, a character from a book, I can't do it. I can't imagine what they look like. So wow. that flows into the abstract. And I never really realized that that was a thing. I just thought I just didn't have an imagination but then I learned about aphantasia and I was like, wait a minute, what the actual fuck things make sense now. <laughs> a new strain of imagination has been discovered. Right. And it's, it's such a weird. What about memory? Do you have memories that are visual? I have memories that are visual, but I have a very hard time recalling them. I have basically like snapshots. I don't have. <laughs> Because, like, you can probably remember sitting, like, standing with Druid at a at a venue and talking. And, like, mm-hmm. you guys actually moving around and stuff. I have. I remember none of it. Well, I mean, you in theory, <laughs> you, you'd be able to do that. No, chemically, chemically. Uh, well, I mean, I, I can kind of, I get, it's a bit like a, a bad, like, zoetrope animation, really. I mean, I, I can... I see it and I can tell that I'm making it up most of it. You know, it's not a real memory. It's more like interesting. half of it's memory, half of it's just authorial license to make me feel the same as what I, I remember it like. I think that's the truth. But I feel like I vividly have like the opposite problem uh. of like, I even get it like when you guys are speaking, uh, I can like, I just visual. I visualize your faces as you're talking. Mm-hmm. So like, but I've also got this kind of memory where like, so uh, Mrs. Knowledge and I were talking about a place that we ate pizza during a week stay in Rome that we had in February of 2020 before uh, all the shit hit the fan. Right. And uh, like, I'm just able to recall the name of like every restaurant we visited. Like my memory is super vivid like that. And I have just snapshot images. So right. like I was trying to find a house that I lived in with my dad at one point. And I had to, I was like, okay, so I know that this restaurant was there because I, rem- I have a memory of sitting with a little Caesars pizza box on a random person's like yard wall on the way walking home. Okay, there's the yard wall. I, I vividly remember this. Like, but I couldn't find the actual street. And I lived at that house for a year. And I I can remember what it looks like, but I was trying to find it on on Google Maps and I couldn't. I had to ask someone else who knew. And it's such a it 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 creates such a weird thing where like, I know what things look like. I know what it's supposed to look like. I know what, you know, I, I know what things are supposed to be, but for me, and like, like if I look at it, I can describe it to you, but it makes it so difficult. And like Druid knows I designed a piece of our merch, but I, it's very rare that I get moments where it's like, this is exactly what I want. This is this is what I see, and I have to create it. If I don't create it, I'm going to lose it. Mm. 
And it was so difficult for me to describe it to him. And like, I just made up, like, I was like, this is kind of what I think it, like how I would describe it that might, you might understand. But I I couldn't fucking, like, I struggled so hard. And yeah, you were able to quite concisely convey that information to me, I must say. Thank God. But like, (laughs) hot damn. Well, hot hot dog. Uh, But like, coming up with other merch designs, I had to pull other people's merch to say, I like this visual style. Because I couldn't just conjure up like what I thought would look cool and describe it to you. Like, I, I, well, I think there's a little bit of an overlap here where I think people that, that can describe, I mean, I feel like people that, that, that can visualize stuff have to rely on those crutches to, to be honest. I, I think there are, there's mm. a limit, there's a limit to all, I think. Yeah. Well, there's it's a limit to how much the brain can really re- can create or, or, describe yeah. like yeah i think somebody being able to describe what they see in the head is like a skill in itself separate mm-hmm. from being able to see it um uh i've it's a funny one i mean i, I yeah i can't imagine having i just well it's the thing i can't imagine having aphantasia as well that's the other <laughs> it's yeah. hard right. for me how to can imagine. You, how can you convey what it feels like to experience that it's yeah. It's just so to someone odd. to someone that has no idea. But it's interesting because what like well yeah, and it's it's a great plug actually, Ginger, that you've brought the merch up there because we do have merch coming. Mm. Um, but the the juxtaposition in how we sent those ideas to each other because we've we've kind of designed a, a shirt each. Mm-hmm. That will be available in the Ginger Talk store. <laughs> um, uh, but like the difference in how we conveyed that, like uh, I had a very clear image in my mind of what my design was going to look like, and I was able to just sketch it then and there and be like, "Look, here it is." Right. And you were able to do that, and I like there was something about it where I couldn't. Like you would you talked about it and I was like, okay, I think I understand because like I, I, I get some of the references and some of the things, but I don't like in, in my brain, I have such a hard time conjuring up something new. I mean, all of the, the actual like pen to paper or like pencil drawings and stuff Mm -hmm. that I did in, in high school and stuff, I was able to look at another drawing and with practice, recreate it almost perfectly. And then I did it enough times that my hand just kind of did it. But I couldn't yeah. draw that same hand that was holding a pencil. Like this was one of the things that I just drew over and over and over again. I couldn't change the the look of that that hand. I could look at my own hand. And then when I went to go try to like recreate it, I couldn't do it. Which is such wow. a weird thing, like now that I think back on it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's wild. Well, you mean you couldn't draw your own? Uh, you'd you'd copied a drawing uh-huh. and got it in, and got it memorized and in, in your in your muscles and stuff, and you could recreate it. 
but then you're saying you couldn't draw your own hand. Like, so if I was looking at like my left hand and drawing with my right, mm. if, if I took, like I could start and like it would work, but if I took my hand away, I couldn't remember a finite de Like I couldn't remember even overarching things, let alone finite details of what I was trying to recreate. Mm. So as soon as I took the reference away, yeah, it was like I had never seen it. And it was just Neanderthal smashing pencil to paper. Like, <laughs> that's what it fucking felt like. So it's it's just so weird. And thinking back, it's like, maybe that's something very similar to, like, why, like, because I, aphantasia is in kind of, like, it's not, there. it's not just, like, you can or you can't. It's, mm. you can do up to a certain point. Or you can't do it. Like there's there's a uh, levels to it. That's what I was trying to get out. There's like stages and levels to it, and it's just it's kind of fucking. It's wild uh, to think that like maybe I've had aphantasia. Like that's I'm I'm one of those people with aphantasia, and I just never really fucking thought about it. I mean, how are you to know? Right. Like, I never sought out the answers until I heard someone talk about it. And I was like, wait a minute. That kind of sounds like me. Uh, it's time like, to make that aphantasia advantageous. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it, I was curious because you both have done, you know, I know, Druid, you've designed a lot of your own, you know, a lot of the, the merchandise that you've had out in the world. Yeah. And I mean, Jack, you're an artist. So I was curious to see where you guys kind of sat on, like where you, like yeah. you yeah. ended up on that spectrum. Very, very much the opposite. A very clear picture in my mind before I go into anything artistic. I think same with music, really. Yeah. I've got, I can hear the song in its completed form before I sit down and actually do the thing. <laughs> But what about the times when you sort of just happen upon a song by accident when you're playing? Does well, it, you kind of, I kind of get that first idea and that's like the difficult part. And then from there, like I kind of grasp onto like, like I just have this like innate thing where I understand what I want it to flow like. Mm. So it's all about feel, I guess, at the end of the day. Uh, but like, I, I'm one of these people where I feel like I, you know, I see colours when I hear music. I've, mm -hmm. Like, a, I'm not saying I've got synesthesia, like full on, which is where you see colours like related to sound. But I, I definitely have like an element of that, and that informs mm. what I do. Yeah, I just think there's uh, there's lots of kinds of memory, you know, uh, um, different different kinds of drawing. Uh, I think involve different kinds of memory. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the I think as well. It's it's very hard to know an object properly unless you've drawn it multiple, like countless times. Really, yeah. Uh, this uh, is what I draw a pretty shit hot Goku. <laughs> I think it's really hard because you 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 have to. <laughs> You kind of have to. Uh, there's a weird mixture of 
theory going on and uh, invention. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way I think about, uh, I guess I just unconsciously think that way about when I imagine uh, stuff or I remember stuff is that I think it's like a, it's a strange mixture of sensory data that may have one point been uh, objective, mm-hmm. but really is uh, like a CGI, you know, rendition created by a team of <laughs> brain cells that are trying <laughs> to give me the the, yeah, the optimal experiment. Well, there's humble folks at Bethesda. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a Bethesda. It's, a Bethesda it's Todd Howard. Yeah. How it is has to has to launch a team for it because no, it, it's it's funny because you can't trust memory, no. and uh, not for an instant because it's it's not real. And, and you can't trust Todd Howard. Exactly, they're very similar in that way. Well, I mean, I don't know Todd. <laughs> anyway, uh, the abstract concept of memory and Todd Howard, uh, an immense amount of overlap. I don't want anybody to walk away from this podcast thinking I don't like Todd Howard. I don't know the guy. Um, uh, I love <laughs> I loved cute. Oblivion. He's he's E uh, three's answer to Carrot Top. <laughs> Some say he's the American Peter Molyneux, but I don't I don't subscribe to that belief. And that's why this is going to be the podcast that uh, people are going to fall asleep to in their earbuds and revisit time and time again at bedtime. You know, there's a funny <laughs> thing about memory that. Um, if you I think if you uh, are in if you like balance yourself in a funny way where your brain has to engage the balancing circuits of like keeping you upright uh, that you you learn like you're actually way more likely to learn something just after that Hmm. because it's like some kind of circuitry comes online to do with I guess I think balance being so important to survival, it's like it makes your brain more plastic when mm. that happens. And they think they discovered that when you fall asleep, your brain plays experiences forwards and then backwards, huh. um, which is very strange, isn't it? Almost like it is a tape. Yeah. Like a tape. Yeah. Um, we're we're analog fucking machines, man. So that, that to me is insane. That it, if that's how it works, um, that that in many ways the brain learns about its own experiences similar to how we have to learn about things, which is we have to do them. We have to understand them before, like forwards and backwards really. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I must admit, I, I can't imagine uh, not, not having very, cause I, I can't imagine not having visual, visual imagery come up really clearly. Cause I think there's so many times in my life I've been really bored and that's been my escape. Right. Uh, or, or, or it's also been an intrusion. You know, I've had, uh, had very intrusive, you know, automatic kind of thoughts at, at some points. Yeah. That were very visual and, and vivid, but mostly they're, they're like my friends, you know, I can, I can, you know, right. <laughs> they're like, they're on I'm, my side, you know. I'm Mr. Meeseeks, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, when you're, when you're bored and when, you know, you, you go visual and yeah. I go auditory. Cause I well, can. I, I, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, actually I've got one point about that, which is, 
I was playing along to a metronome earlier on the bass guitar because I don't practice that stuff nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't—I really wasn't able to keep time mm-hmm. uh, very well at all. But then I was looking on my computer uh, where it's showing the waveform of, of the bass going in, in, in the input. It was going up and down. And I could visually tell that after I'd hit the bass note that it would the volume would actually fall down as I dampened the string. And when I was looking at that, I could play in time, mm-hmm. which to me was like, oh, okay, that makes sense because I must be so visually yeah. motivated that, that I can it's get in. That, 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 blew, that did blow my mind. So this stuff, I, I mean, I, it is real, I guess, you know, that, <laughs> that we have the... It's, it's uh, you know... Uh, a kind of uh, being a detective in other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Well, because it even like, because I asked Toast for some help with my camera because he's used these cameras before he knows. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to make some finite adjustments, but I need, I need help. And he goes, okay. And he just sent me a YouTube video. And I was like, that, that doesn't <laughs> help me. I can listen to someone say it. I can watch someone do it, but I need help with the actual visual of knowing, is this correct? Is this not? How do I do this? So when I, when I'm like rebuilding, like my stream setup, I have a list of everything that needed recreated and like, I needed to do all these things and I did it, but I had to, take like every time I would get like a new cell phone or something I do the same thing with stream I would take screenshots of how things were set up because I can't go back and recall what settings were and what like all these things were but if I've clicked through and I've done it enough and I have the muscle memory to do it Hmm. I'm I'm good it's it's wild Mm. like it's and that's one of the things that's so hard about being a content creator is if I want elements that stay the same I have to hire a designer of some kind and it's like okay they ask me okay what do you want and I'm like "Uh, uh, (laughs) like I don't know what the fuck to say and so someone was actually like okay give me examples of things you like and so I I threw some examples of, of things that I liked and things that you know like I was like, I like this style, but I like more of this thing. And it, through the examples, I was able to have something. And I was like, yeah, that looks great. When I make it, it's just like, it looks like someone with fucking Windows Movie Maker made a, <laughs> made a fucking video. Like, I mean, it just, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but it's, it's fucking, it's, it's weird. Like, I never. How much, how much stuff is, uh. But it, it's interesting though because I, I don't. I mean, like we all, uh, everyone's got stuff that they. It's really not natural for them to do. Mm-hmm. But but I wonder. I wonder if there, are, if there are ways with something like memorization of. Of of like of how the space is set up. I want. I I don't know what it would be. But there must be some kind of practice or, or thing that 
where you can you, if you that if you saw the improvement in your own ability to do it that you'd get such confidence that you naturally would be get better at it i, I do wonder if there are things like that well that was and that's what the market in for Sudoku would have you believe. Oh, for God's sake, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, there's a funny thing about that where I remember being told a story about um, that they had some kind of, uh, they taught bl- uh, blind people how to, uh, like who'd ne- never seen in their lives how to rock climb uh, by by <laughs> attaching, I think they had like a backpack on that had these, the, these uh, robotic kind of prods that would like push into their back, depend like slightly, like a gentle kind of push that would mm-hmm. relate to where they where their hands were on the rock, and uh, their brains learned to be able to traverse this rock from from the memory of that sensory input. They didn't even have. To, I think it was almost like. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't in one go, obviously. It was like a couple... Well, I don't know about the experiments, details, but it did prove that, you know, like... If if you can, like, learn to see without seeing, and it, it, in, in those kinds of situations, it just shows the brain really just runs off whatever context it's given yeah so um, which is feedback as we as you mentioned at, right at the beginning you know my old job my old day job i installed tvs like i mounted them on the wall i would set up sound systems i do all that stuff well when i would mount a tv on the wall and then i'd have to go plug in like all the hdmi cables and stuff into it i would take my phone and i would take a picture of what all the plugs, like where the plugs were, if I was looking for a specific plug. And I would look at that photo and I would feel with my hand. Mm -hmm. Because I know guys who could just go, oh, on a Samsung, you know, UR8000, it's the third plug down. And they could see it in their brain. AKA douchebags. Well, I mean, some of them. Uh, but <laughs> I would take the, the picture and I would feel for it with my hand. And mm. I, like, um, anytime I was, like, untangling, like, Christmas lights or necklaces or, like, the douchebag who would not wind the XLRs correctly and they're a giant <laughs> fucking knot. Um, I wouldn't, like, I would look... But I would do more of it just by feel. I'd find the piece that I wanted and I would follow it and pull it out. And, like, that's how I untangle things is by feel. Like, so it very much is a, a muscle memory or, like, I do things by by touch. And so, like, when I'm doing abstract, like, when I'm, when I'm painting, it's all abstract. And it's how I feel about the person. And it's how, like, it's what I, quote unquote, see them as. And that's the way I've been describing it. But it's not even that. It's, this is the color theory. This is what these colors generally mean. Mm. And this is how, like, this, like, it It sounds so hippy-dippy when I say it's, it's like, because the closest way I can explain it is like their aura and the feeling they give me, but that's not necessarily it, you know. Well, there's a 
you know, philosophical framework that details just that, and that's semiotics, which is basically the understanding of uh, signs and symbols and what they mean in context. Mm-hmm. And so semiotically, those colours diff- are given meaning through the context of how you've uh, kind of absorbed media over a long space of time or a, a absorbed different experiences. Uh, so semiotics becomes those signs and symbols, uh, even if it's like red can mean danger. That's mm-hmm. a semiotic symbol that comes to uh, deliver like a level of understanding of what that color means. Yeah. And you think about it actually like that understanding uh, uh, of things on that level is appealing to those base instincts. Like for instance, understanding that a flower might be poisonous just based on the color right. that, it, that it flowers and how it's codified into your very DNA. It's been a tale as old as time to the point where it's codified in your DNA to react in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, when you get into the melting pot of humanity and in all of its uh, kind of blender of diversity uh you come to realize that perspective and signs and symbols that we come to understand are uh kind of untangled in different ways Mm. uh for instance when i want to untangle things uh my therapist would be quick to tell you that i do that through avoiding them (laughs) yeah uh, or drinking, yeah. or, or 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 getting or, or getting drunk uh, in uh, recorded long form conversation and spinning out mean... my own. Um, but you, you see what I mean? Like those signs and symbols, those colours come to represent different things to different people, and it's a perception of understanding and a perception of context. Uh, which, again, to start throwing like uh, verbosely. Um, uh, pretentious philosophical terms into what uh, a, a format that shouldn't really be a forum for that, uh, you know, phenomenology, the understanding of what you've experienced through the body and uh, through your own eyes and how that comes to form your understanding of different things. And then when you come to understand those philosophical concepts and how they uh, come to constitute like a full a fullness of consciousness uh you realize that we can only know ourselves and our own understanding of things and try our best at communicating that to others but no one can really truly know uh you know obviously rende cart said i think therefore i am Mm -hmm. and that's the only truth you can know really uh what exists in your own mind and you know, that's the reason we have like think discussions like this and 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 try to understand because that's like true knowledge is really understanding other people's experiences because that enriches your own understanding of the uh, world around you as it's perceived by everyone rather than just yourself. And I, I think that's the one thing that. Um... The, the one thing that this podcast does so well because yeah it's it's other streamers and and artists and people that we know but it like the shared experience of 
like us as humans and the different perspectives like meep last week is a is a perfect example so many things with meep and i are so similar but we have so many different perspectives on on things you know it's it's just it's or you know we were talking um if you sign up for the patreon and you you can hear some of the uh uncut preambles to these uh recordings we had a a like and subscribe (laughs) yeah you know we had a long conversation about uh themes in star trek (laughs) and you know kind of how they apply today and and how groundbreaking they were back then but it's it's the shared experience but the the different perspectives that make things so i think that's what makes this podcast so good because we can have dick jokes and we can talk shit about you know celebrities and I still want Joe Rogan to just kiss my ass. Like, I mean, like (laughs) there's, we can laugh and we can joke and we can have those things, but we can have these, these moments. And that's what I love about this entire thing that we do. Uh, Well, if there's one thing we've learned about dick jokes over the creation of this podcast from beginning to now is that that is a, a universal fucking top. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh timeless. Yeah, I mean, well, they they drew dicks on the Parthenon, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. and, dicks. And, <laughs> <laughs> I dare you can say, how dare you disassemble my entire persona like that in a matter of <laughs> We're here on uh, we're here on Ginger Talks with uh Dick Knowledge. <laughs> uh thank you, that's Richard knowledge to you. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because uh, we were teetering on uh, not me. We weren't make we weren't making our dick joke quota. I know we were teetering on the edge of we we, we were uh, just like, edging I, right there. I, I was starting to think we we like delving deeply into the nature of memory that we were like contributing to calm dot com. And as you exhale, yeah. I want to thank this week's sponsor is calm.com. Bitch slap that like button and go (laughs) the fuck to sleep. It was Rene Descartes that once said, I come, therefore I am. (laughs) I come, therefore I am. Johnny Sins. God damn it. Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic himself. (laughs) Johnny Mnemonic. Doctor, reporter, um... A mountain Ranger, Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> Are you ready to intake the deadly, the seven deadly sins? Ginger Talks podcast community. Uh, I don't think you are. N- no, none of them are. This fucking Budweiser is starting to take hold. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really enjoy Budweiser. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it. Oh, sorry, my usual podcast tipple is a is a full-bodied red wine and today uh with the beautiful sunshine we've had in birmingham uk of uh, what a enjoying, drink. enjoying a lager beer <laughs> oh, i slammed two bud light seltzers because i am uh apparently trying to get white girl wasted let's do it um, <laughs> <laughs> john podesta rigs the polls again
I'm going to play Detroit Become Human, Wasted. Make oh. your character make all the bad decisions. Oh, Listen, the, wasted, the Wasted DLC. Dude, uh, Detroit Become Human, when you make all the bad choices. Detroit Become Wasted. I mean, have you been to Detroit? Come on. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. answer is Maybe. no, but it's... Yeah, no, I, have, I have That's a sauce on top slice. Oh, fuck. I've... I've been to Detroit, and so marijuana recreationally is legal in Michigan. Mm. Mm. So oh. uh, when I was in Detroit last, I was like, man, I might just go buy a pre-roll. I might. I might do it. And I didn't. I was like, no, it's fine. I'm going to save save my money. Glad I did because I had just enough gas money to get home. Uh, <laughs> but it was... <laughs> Fuck, man. I think legalizing marijuana was the best thing Michigan could have done for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they've got that tap water to contend with. Fuck, man. Yeah, if I lived in Flint, I'd probably have to be high all the time. Uh, Mm. Did did what is for Michael Moore's career. Right. Well, um, isn't uh, Biden from Michigan? Is he from Pennsylvania? Oh, he's from Penn. Wait, no, he's I'm... from Michigan, but then he—he's he from ran in Pennsylvania. S- he's from Scranton, PA. Oh, really? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine uh, fucking Joe Biden in the American office? <laughs> he is in the American office, the office of the president. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know he he'd be good in the he'd be good in the office. I feel like he'd be like he'd be like the uh, superintendent Chalmers to uh, to Skinner. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Joe Biden is the new Michael Scott. There's, you know, there's something a bit Jimmy Stewart about Biden. Yes, do you know what I mean? Because he was he was from PA as well. I, I've heard. Uh huh. Jimmy Stewart. Biden is uh, one of the things I love about Biden is, you know, people make fun of Biden for being, or you know, they call him creepy or whatever. Okay, fine, but you also have to understand that he's lost children and grandchildren. So for him, like hugging a kid, that you know, like it's one of those things, like. You hug your friend's mom longer if you've lost your mom. Like, it's just a thing that fucking happens. People can be weird about it. It's fine. Whatever. You do you. But it's the same thing as, like, Donald Trump and his aggressively weird handshakes. Like, every every, every president's a little fucking weird. Um, you've got you've to be, like... Arkham Asylum level psychos that want to fucking rule the world like that. Dude, it's fucking, it's wild. And Unless you're Jimmy Carter. Right. Then it just seems like it was fucking righteous. But the, the thing that I love is like, Obama was like, I'm going to sneak away from the Secret Service and I'm going to go get everybody Starbucks. And <laughs> Biden. Oh, they, they spelled my name wrong again, Michelle. No. Oh, Michelle, yeah, we're going to have to have a talk with them sometime. That It's Barack, not Barrett. <laughs> but Barrett the, from Final Fantasy VII, and that'll be a fucking chai latte. <laughs> but the thing that I love about Biden is he's just like, 
hey, you guys want to go get some ice cream? Like, I just, I just want some fucking ice cream. You guys want to get some ice cream? He's just like that grandpa that's like, let's go do this. <laughs> and you also feel safe with him because he, he uh, visually uh, codes as uh, someone that would play the president in a Michael Bay movie. Right. Yeah, uh, but Obama was like in, a, in an Emmerich movie. Uh-huh. Emmerich movie. <laughs> like, well, well, slightly more progressive. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, when Joe Biden does things the old fashioned way, you see a dangerous thing, you go get Hagen dies. <laughs> Joe Biden will get you home by 11, and that's even with a trip to make out Crick. He has, uh, I, like I say, I just imagine him as Jimmy Stewart, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. Or. Mm-hmm. So, not, yeah, well, <laughs> I was going to say, not Rear Window. Uh, is, that, is, that like a, is that like a deep comment on the surveillance state? Um, I think it's just like. I think it's if about if if he hadn't won the presidency and he'd gone and retired, something like that would have happened where he, there would have been a maybe a mystery that he had to deal with. <laughs> Jinkies <laughs> with an oversized dog that could speak English. Oh, like uh, Beethoven's fourth, uh... Clifford B. Clifford B. Clifford the Big Red Dog, man. <laughs> some um, of your some of your people on here will know who Clifford B. is. Oh yeah. Um, like Gears of War, Epic Games, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Clifford B. Unreal okay. Tournament, two thousand four. A large a large portion will will know who he is. Yes. So and they'll hopefully tell you how embarrassing it is that you two have no idea who that guy is because it, it's completely robbed me of all my material about epic games uh, i was gonna ask about um sorry uh, no. that's one for the that's one for the microtransaction yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be releasing uh my appearance on this as a Fortnite skin oh fuck the jack <laughs> questions yeah, let's get let's let's dive into uh, guest questions. Yes, and we have to start with the age old first question that everybody uh, mm-hmm. everybody has asked, and this comes courtesy of Red the Abnormal. I hope Red understands that she's started a legacy. Uh, what <laughs> what is your or if if you had to pick, what would be your mundane superpower? Um, mm. <laughs> I love th- th- this question. I think I think in- even having even less aphantasia than I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean that. That suggests that no. I mean, oh. I would. I would prefer to have like perfect. Yeah, perfect. Perfect, perfect senses, really. Yeah. And uh, yeah. setting up for the MC new, the MCU's new villain, the Visualizer. <laughs> or, or, or I'd like to have like the effect of eating tons of vegetables from just eating a few. Okay. <laughs> that would 
because then you, I could own, I'd, I'd have like a couple broccoli heads a week, and I'd be like completely healthy. Oh God, that sounds amazing. Yeah, that would be, but very mundane. Because if you talk to yeah. people that didn't care, that well, if you talk to like people your own, like our own age, we'd be like, wow, that's great. If you said that to kids, they'd be like, well, that's fucking boring. Right. I want from each of you 100 broccoli scalps, <laughs> and I want my scalps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, wonderfully answered. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um. All right. Yeah, because I we... wasn't suggesting aphantasia is like a. And yeah. now uh, into oh, the MCU, we welcome the herbivore, <laughs> <laughs> the no. bro- broccoli man. <laughs> You are. You are one hundred percent fine, my guy. You're not gonna. <laughs> I have a, a fairly thick skin when it comes to to shit like that. I crack lots of jokes, so you're good. Uh, no, that would perfect senses would be dope. Oh, yeah. Because I I have quite sometimes I have very I have quite bad spatial sense to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah. Dizziness and stuff. And I would, I would definitely prefer that to go away. <laughs> I feel <laughs> Fuck off. Piss off. Fuck off, lack of spatial awareness. Up yours. Up yours, cognitive decline. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. If you can put it to your fucking mouth. I kick ass, therefore I am. <laughs> Uh, uh, quote from Aaron Tyler Johnson <laughs> okay next question so <laughs> alright Michael Parkinson fuck off <laughs> so we've got a couple uh, we've, we've actually got quite a few uh, okay. good questions in here uh, and this is this one comes from a wonderful friend of the podcast, uh, ADHD Toaster, our Toasty Boy. Uh, toasty, what, yeah. love you. Uh, what are your top three podcasts you've listened to? And I think this is a general, not oh, specific yeah, to yeah, us. Yeah, 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 um, Okay. Uh, top three. Is that mm-hmm. right? Top three. Yep. Well, top one for the amount of information I've pulled from it would probably be uh, the, Huberman, the Huberman Lab podcast, Dr. Andrew Huberman. Um, every Monday uh, is a Stanford professor of uh, neuroscience um, okay. and ophthalmology. And he uh, basically packs like a few lectures worth of, of uh, analysis of, of neuroscience in, in, in all these different areas that are very much uh lifestyle related you know they're they're applicable to to daily life and he'll talk about that for about an hour or something um so that one's an incredible uh thing to just go back to those episodes and try and understand it i love doing that um as far as i'm a big fan of uh hideo kojima games oh yeah unsurprising to like anybody i think who's into <laughs> games because kojima is just fucking 
beautiful work. And um, there's a the I think it's called the Kojima frequency or the Metal Gear frequency or something. There's a podcast dedicated to Metal Gear that um, they sometimes get some really good uh, people on there, people that have worked in some form at Konami or, or with Hideo before. And so sometimes you have like, there was a guy who did the translation for Silent Hill and stuff or, or MGS1 talking to them. Uh, so there's a very like small podcast that, that really punches above its weight and succeeds. And I love that. Absolute failure that they didn't call it Thoughtacon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an anime otaku. And the third podcast, uh, it might be, well, I'm a big Halo fan as well. Okay. Um, uh, I uh, I played uh, the first Halo when I was six years old. So not the song by uh, New Metal Axe Soil. No, I don't know who that is. Uh, I will stone you, stone you, wear my arms around you. Uh, in fact, Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith uh, joined them on stage, and oh, really, yeah, yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, but please carry on. I will check that out. So, I'm, well, this is, relates to music as well. So, I, I, I love Halo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. Well, especially the Bungie games and the original uh, soundtrack. I think any fan of Halo knows is just legendary. You know, uh, uh, in terms of video games, uh, especially Western video games, it's. Uh, iconic I don't think it's a stretch to say like really good music and the composer of those games uh, has his own uh, discord uh, called the Marty Army Uh, Marty O'Donnell is his name and I think he does a podcast on there sometimes uh, called The Big Stage and uh, he gets ex-Bungie employees sometimes or people he's collaborated with and uh, has done the unprecedented thing I think for a uh, developer of like that period and actually talk to the YouTubers who are fans of the game and make stuff about Halo uh, he he actually has done quite long interviews with them hmm. uh, about uh, about the game and things so yeah Martin O'Donnell his podcast is, is fascinating as a fan of Halo you know so. oh and the fourth one, which I won't talk about as much, but the Draftsman podcast from Proco.com is a great, great podcast about drawing and art. And if you're an illustrator or you're interested in illustration, check that out because it's, uh, it's called Draftsman. Okay. Uh, good. Do you listen to any like narrative podcasts at all or are you just all like... I've, I've listened to... Um, I think I like the chatting ones more. I have heard ones that are more documentarian, and uh, I think like everyone, I've I've listened to like some true crime ones, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think honestly, it's just it's never stuck with me because it's like stuff that I guess it's when I was when I used to commute to work in the morning, it was good to have a kind of random podcast. I listened to like This American Life. I listened to The Illusionist. I listened to. Uh, yeah, stuff about true crime. Um, but then when I'm more just sitting at home, it's it's always about stuff I'm I'm, I'm kind of nerdy about, I think. That's what I really like. 
Um, whereas I, I, when it comes to other stuff like true crime or whatever, I, I'll, I'll kind of just pluck it off the shelf and I'll just sit with it. But it's not like I go, I don't go back to one again and again as a series. Uh, I think a little less committal, just by virtue of its subject matter. I, I more guess. just we are window shopping a little bit, a bit a little yeah. bit fickle with that stuff. I think. Yeah. Um, okay, I was I was curious because I'm actually a a more of a narrative podcast uh yeah person well, like, like radio plays yeah. yeah um there's one out of actually out of the uk called the magnus archives right and it runs <laughs> magnus it's uh the company that made it is uh, or the studio that made it is rusty quill mm. and it was let's see um I'm trying to find the so oh, it's five five seasons, and Magnus it's it's about a, a this archive, and it's where all of the supernatural things you go you make your statement, they archive your statement and they, uh, um they'll they have like some magical items, but it's just it's a narrative, and it's. So super good i didn't expect to get sucked in as much as i did and Mm -hmm. it's absolutely phenomenal but like i've also listened to like um uh there's a one called uh, the edge of sleep and that one is it like i listen to a lot of just stories Mm -hmm. and uh, whether it's a, a scripted story or just someone, you know, like the serial killers podcast by Paracast. Like I've listened to that and like some of the big ones, but um, there's a, there's one called dark history, which is really good. Uh, there's this YouTuber who has a, a series called uh, murder mystery and makeup where she gets, she puts on her makeup and she talks mm. about these murders and she talks in, in dark history in her typical style. She talks about like the Rosewood massacre and she gets, she deep dives into Andrew Jackson and she talks about the zoot suit riots of 1943. And like, so I, I'll dabble into those, but I've never, um, I've never thought about like art podcasts or like, mm-hmm. or like creative like that. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, I think YouTube recommends me like Joe Rogan a lot and stuff like that. It recommends me clips of, of, of which of course it does conversational <laughs> podcasts. And those are interesting, but I, I think with the narrative ones, again, I, I fear commitment with them, I think. That's mm-hmm. why. I think it's like, it's, um, uh, I, if I had an audible, I would definitely listen to more more stories, I think, because I, really what I want is the books. I really mm-hmm. want someone read, to read me books, I think. That's, uh, that's what I'm kind of, I'm after, I think. Um, but, uh, but the, the, the Magnus Archive sounds interesting. 
Uh, Magnus is is really good. Rusty Quill does a a good job. And they're all nerdy. Like, at the end of... If you look up Magnus on Spotify, um, you... If you sort it newest to oldest, it's got... They do, like, D&D one-shots. Or, like, D&D... Almost like the same people who've done all these voices and all these characters in Magnus. They get them together and they do just basically like D&D sessions. And they put those out for a little bit right after uh, Magnus ended. I think just because it was so... um, Like they, they finished this story that ran for years. And the episodes are real short. Like, the longest one that I listened to that wasn't, like, a finale was, like, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so it was really easy for me to, like, pop it on in the car when I was going downtown for something. Or when I drove 10 hours to Detroit, I listened to a lot of Magnus. (laughs) But, you know, it's... Those were really good. The Edge of Sleep is only, like, six episodes long. And it tells... Maybe it's eight, but it tells a full story in, in eight episodes. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And it's the sound design in it is great. And like, so I enjoy those, but like my dad wrote a porno is, is one of those hilarious (laughs) ones, or there's one, a comedian or a, a comedic one, uh, called no sleep. And, like, uh, those are always just great to just listen to people shoot shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also like, um, you know, Drew is constantly talking about his uh, dissertation on video game walls and uh, yeah. <laughs> hallways and in, in, in specific games. Um <laughs> But thank I, you for thank you for desensitizing the crowd to my upcoming uh, hallways of the always. <laughs> <laughs> but I listen to I, I listen to stuff like that too, so it just kind of like all fits. And podcasts are so weird. I don't know. Sorry, I did a whole no. lot of talking, Druid. What about you, buddy? Um. Doing? I'll keep it brief. Um, uh, favorite podcast of mine actually finished oh, 11 years ago now. Uh, it's called Planned Brotherhood. Um, sadly, they they will never make any more because uh, one of the hosts, PJ, has passed away sadly from uh, bowel cancer. Mm. Uh, but it's... A really entertaining look into the lives of these two brothers, uh, PJ and Nick, and they basically used to be uh, very active in the Mormon faith, and they kind of give you real insight into what it's like to lead. Uh, you know, the the format of the podcast is very similar to this one. Uh, in fact, influenced me like quite a little bit in how we approach this. Hmm. Being that they talk about movies and celebrities and stuff like that, but then every now and then they get into discussions about uh, really frank discussions about members of their family and uh, their friendship groups. 
what it was like for them to be excommunicated from the Mormon religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how you'd find it. If anyone wanted to find Planned Brotherhood, uh, DM me. Uh, well worth your time. PJ and Nick, Arla's two brothers. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Other podcasts are like, I don't listen to a ton. Uh, I, I think out of the three of us, I listen to the least. Uh, I like the Overnight Drive podcast is really uh, actually laugh out loud funny quite a lot of the time. Uh, to the two hosts again, uh, Hans and Andrew, they kind of they used to be in uh, a world touring band uh, that had like a slight modicum of success and they kind of talk through the pitfalls of that. Uh, and I think Hans actually left like the tour uh, to go meet a girl in Chicago halfway through the tour. And that episode is absolutely hilarious and very relatable. If you've ever been in a band on tour, like the way they talk about it is spot on, but we uh, episodes every week and absolutely hilarious every what's time what's that one so. called again overnight drive that's i was searched for planned brotherhood podcast and it took me that was like the fourth or fifth result so yeah planned brotherhood i don't think is hosted anymore uh i do have like a mega upload link to all the episodes so again if anyone was interested in checking planned brotherhood out uh as i say probably my number one podcast of all time that i've listen to just because it 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 makes these like deep personal stories like insanely funny uh and actually opens your eyes to like a side of life that we don't really understand as people that aren't within the mormon faith because like they they were in a quite aggressive uh sect of mormonism where like they couldn't smoke they couldn't drink uh they couldn't be uh, physically promiscuous and uh, they kind of like you can audibly hear them getting very high during every recording and they shit all over that lifestyle and it's really refreshing really good podcast but as i say finished uh finished some 11 years ago and sadly one of the hosts is no longer with us yeah but, uh, just this like lost uh corner of the internet that like I'm literally the only person that I know that's ever fucking heard it and uh, it's like I remember in my first ever like job in uh, in retail I would like sneak the the headphones underneath like my unkempt long hair <laughs> and uh, tidy up the aisles whilst listening to Plan Brotherhood, and it really used to get me through those like kind of long, lonely shifts when the store was closed. Yeah. Uh, so I'd highly and uh, as for a third, uh, uh, worst possible timeline. Uh, again, two hosts. Uh, they kind of look at current social issues through uh, a kind of unfiltered lens. Mm-hmm. Um, funny, insightful, kind of takes a, a shit on some of our like kind of liberal left wing ideals that we have now, but through a liberal lens, uh, and, and kind of has that self deprecating side to it that I think kind of humanizes the need for dialogue. 
uh, a dialogue that's not there, and it kind of gives a voice to these uh, these kind of dejected guys that uh, make up such a large part of Western society now. It kind of like highlights the perspective that they 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 consider the perspective of the man on this like the average man on the street in a way that I think will make you look at the current social discourses differently and not in a problematic way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are my three. Yeah. You know, looking at, because I found the Planned Brotherhood uh, Facebook page from a million years ago. Yeah. I, I found that. But you can't. Uh, there was a they had sound a SoundCloud. Yeah, and it's all gone. Yeah, I mean, like literally, if you ever want to check that podcast out, you will have to go direct to me. I've got a link to yeah. uh, 151 episodes, and they're just all gone. Yeah, that's so. Uh, and and they're re- they honestly they are they they they're ropey in the beginning. They're not great in the beginning it gets to like they talk like like it's just so funny they talk about their mom as being this fucking ogre <laughs> of a woman and they clearly like have like so, like a lot of issues with her but then there's a point in the podcast where the mom has heard it and sends a fucking email in telling them uh like i wish we could go back to before the podcast it's that fucking like personal and open about like so many things and the way they deliver the content is just absolutely hilarious and personable i'd re- like uh, i'd urge anyone uh, if you if you want to hear it uh I'll, I'll send you the mega upload link and and just get lost in it yeah. i mean and and just to put it in like a sense of like how long ago this podcast was started i think the first episode they're talking about the fucking dark night <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy. But uh... and in fact, PJ, who died of bowel cancer, one of the hosts, mm-hmm. he did a podcast called "I'm Dying Here," and it, he really openly talked about how important it is to get a colonoscopy or an endoscopy and not be scared of it because he was in the position where it was too late for him, and he brings a lot of perspective. So. Uh, I'm dying here with PJ Arles as well. Uh, a bit grimmer, like not as rich on the entertainment side, but like I could have, you know, it's sad he's not with us today because I could, he, he was literally just a nobody, uh, you know, from the middle of nowhere, but uh, I could have listened to that guy for hours and I, I did. And uh, yeah. And he was dead by the time I discovered it actually. Wow. Which yeah, is quite sobering. I found his his obit. Yeah, crazy, really. And looking at people like fans of the the podcast, uh, like a, a, a someone commented and he said, "You know, I didn't know him personally, but I was a big fan of his podcast series about living with cancer." Like to have people openly. <laughs> say you know hey i didn't know this person this person personally but they made an impact on me like that's that's huge yeah well i I think you know we do a podcast that has a format you know it's long form talk and 
it's basically us in a room like riffing on different subjects that's essentially what that is Mm -hmm. and like i kind of just go along with this hoping that we can even have like a shred of the personability that they have on that one Mm -hmm. and 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 just like a feeling that you're like welcome in that environment and those people are like people you can be friends with and like to me i think that's like what what we're going for it's like a friendly conversation that you guys are like just as in on as we as anyone that comes on like i i genuinely feel that anyone that listens to the podcast could come on and be a guest straight away and we'd welcome them as old friends and like that's the vibe yeah you know in in terms of inspiration that's what i take from that yeah and that i mean that goes very much along with why I stream, why I do what I do, why mm. I, you know, why I do some of the things that are, you know, a lot of people are afraid of doing, but I do it because I I want to, you know, mm-hmm. positive impact and influence, even in the, you know, shit talking and, <laughs> And, you know, challenging yeah. celebrities who have no idea who the fuck I am. Like, <laughs> oh, where you and I differ, I, I want no positive vibes. Don't talk to me. If you can. <laughs> what the fuck ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, whatever. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm so over this whole podcast thing. Oh, my God. Oh. Are you, like, even still listening? I mean, oh, my God, why? Oh, my God. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's just, it's, it's weird. And it kind of says a lot about this, this podcast, because we've, we've touched on some like serious, heavier things and we've breezed by some, but we, you know, bringing up the aphantasia, like that, that's something that you don't expect to come from this podcast that talks about the logistics of fucking in space. (laughs) Like this is the this is the therapy episode, right? But I mean, like you don't expect something like that. But I feel like this was the the perfect episode to bring that up. Oh, absolutely! Because we have an artist with us. <laughs> the art the artist mm. formerly known as Jack Solomon Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Trust. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, I feel like. There's, you know, every conversation should should be able to go deep at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, there's a there's a bit of a hangover, isn't there, from like uh, I think the way that people's lives are regimented that you're not. It's like seen as slightly abnormal mm-hmm. to 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 talk deeply with people that you don't necessarily know that well or mm-hmm. things like that. And actually I think uh, being able to be vulnerable, but also n- not have things affect you too much is, is really the yeah. way to go. It's really the only way mm-hmm. to stay sane, to be honest. Yeah. Because well, we're still in this constant battle of society being the fucking dad. Ad from that 70s show. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, (laughs) or like, like society is like fucking Hank Hill. We're we're in that constant battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, and like, you know, if this is if this episode's gonna be like something that combats that subtle effect, then that's cool by me. Yeah. Uh, I feel very seen. Right now? (laughs) 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 Yeah. I I don't know. With with recent events in my life, I feel very introspective about a lot of things because that's just how things fucking work. But, you know, it's... Sorry. No, it's okay. It's just like, got caught in my throat. Was, uh, Please never apologize. No, it's not uh, COVID. Yeah, you know, you've uh, you've w- you've uh, wheedled yourself in as part of the podcast family today, Jess yes. Yes. <laughs> I've held I've held my own in the in mm-hmm. this wicked three way. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so moving moving on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll two two questions into one. I'm going to take Lila's question and smash it with one of Andy's questions. Um, Lila asks, what's your favorite way to create art? And Andy wants to know, where do you find inspiration? And I feel like those kind of can go hand in hand. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So what was the first one again? The the, the best way, the easiest way. Uh, No. What is your favorite? Favorite. Oh, wow. Uh, Um, my preferred and favorite way to make art and get inspiration is, uh, I think a certain amount of free time is kind of important in the process, Mm -hmm. which is like very hard to come by depending on how things are. Um, but it's having mental free time in my own head is part of it. Um, like I think not to not to make it oblique and like confusing it's just like genuinely it comes in pieces you know mm-hmm. it's like mm. and it and it and it goes down in notebooks sometimes as scribbles and sometimes it comes out as words and sometimes it's hearing people talk like like how the podcasts I just described you know <laughs> Um, sometimes it's hearing people talk about subjects I'm, I don't know everything about not that there's a single subject I know everything about but hearing people that have wildly different experiences or people that know a lot about something talking uh, I find very inspiring um, mm. because it, it chances are that they're very good at illustrating a point and it introduces a concept that you can then apply somehow uh, to, to something else. And that is the, the other thing I, I, I really like applying a, a concept fa- I found somewhere onto something that's seemingly entirely different. Uh, well, that's just how that's how I get my kicks. Well, I think, I, I think uh, I'm two for two episodes on bringing this quote into it, but uh you know, to bring Roland Barthes into the equation here, he mm. said that, you know, 
Creating things is a tissue of citations. Yeah. And it's I, all I mean, about how you fucking weave that to make something new rather than reproduce. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same as like learning to, to to talk as a child, isn't it? I mean, you 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 have to copy everybody else. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and the the journey is is how you is um. You know, I think it was like Noam Chomsky said that it was like a child will learn the meaning of a word, like a new word, uh, like every hour or something. They're awake or they're like very very motivated uh, to find out these things and obviously their brains are still growing but i think it's also just that like there's a momentum there mm-hmm. to to take this thing on and 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 live with it themselves so i i always try and encourage myself and i'd encourage anybody else to when there are things that inspire you or that you're interested in that you try to internalize them somehow whether that's acting them out in some way or draw you know uh drawing them or or trying to just trying to get it memorized somehow or or to live with it somehow um it's because i I don't know i just think that's uh uh part of the it's just part of the process i think yeah um Mm-hmm. of learning yeah. it, it, um, and a lot of the greatest people I've seen who can draw like in- incredibly well um, they seem to say that their style is entirely pretty much a quotation from different people mm-hmm. um, and I'd, to go back to the question of like what's my favourite way of working I would say like the, the the thing that I like happening but it's very painful the pro the thing is the process is very painful sometimes uh or it's uncomfortable which uh, is slightly different to painful but but uncomfortable can be pain if mm-hmm. if you're too comfortable uh, and you're used to yeah. it being comfortable absolutely um, so so you you want you want things that are painful right now to simply become uncomfortable mm-hmm. i'd say uh try and move wherever possible towards to things being like a, a sense of resistance rather than uh like a oh, pain uh, however, there is a moment I think with with any like project or work of art where you and it, it's not just creative stuff as well. I'm sure it, organizationally it happens in shops and teams and stuff. It's like you have to um, do something to the best of your knowledge and abilities, a hundred percent your effort, uh, not in one go, but slowly you build up to that. However after expending all that energy you'll be so tired and it and it you'll realize it's not good enough and that's a very um it's a very sad moment but it's also like a very inspiring moment because it's usually that sense of frustration will then uh, if you take a break of a few days or or whatever or or a day or an hour even uh you assess what you need to change and then you can take it over the finish line. And it's like, you could only know what to change by giving it a hundred percent in the first start, a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the part of the process I'm scared of. And I think everybody is, it's the, 
is that oh the initial yeah. that you have to you have to like commit to know uh, to know what's what's going on with something yeah right and that that's a very scary thing because you have to you'll have to put this effort in and then you might find out that it's not uh it wasn't all well spent and that's, well, and, that's then, and then coming to the realization that you have a choice then whether or not to share that fucking uh what you've explored there yeah exactly as well it's uh yeah what yeah what do you show to the world and what do you show to your friends and a uh, big oh. problem i have is not is keeping things to myself creatively mm-hmm. yeah but that's because you know my pr- process when creating you know i guess like art, art, i've done art but like not in a serious way so i guess my art is music and lyrics and things mm-hmm. like that and i guess like for me the process is uh, uh, has to have like a level of like genuine um a, a genuine idea that you feel within your like kind of very self and that you think is an experience or a perspective or a context worth sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for, for me, it's like, it's an introspective like therapy thing and it can come to the point where I'm like creating something and I don't realize what it's about until it's completed. But then I realize it was like a concise message. So if like, for me, like the, my favorite way to create is like creating this intricate, like Morse code that is decipherable only by me, but has this like ability to be uh, kind of unpicked in many different ways and like kind of have this like dreamlike vagueness to like words are right or like notes are put down on the thing. But at the same time, it has like this level of specificity that only I understand. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I like this idea of creating like a very specific idea and and, and and manifesting this very specific idea in the, in in something, but giving it space to be open to interpretation and being mindful of that as part of the process. I heard a, a quote about that kind of thing where it's like the the strange thing about art is that the the viewer must find a home where the artist found escape. Yeah, yeah, I guess hard, that, that's exactly hard. exactly what I'm saying. I mean, like, and and you know, there's kind of this juxtaposition where, like, I'm unsure of that as a process because, like, I feel like there's an arrogance in thinking that will pick that anyone would even begin to try and unpick things that I've created in that way. Uh. However, without that importance, without that basis of it having that uh, personal gravity to me, then it's not worth doing. So there's a, I have a firm philosophy and belief, and this is something that uh, I've talked to other entertainers and other streamers and artists and stuff, that if you hit a point where you are no longer nervous or afraid or uncertain to share your work when it becomes a, Oh yeah, I've done a thing and I've put it out. Then you've lost the passion 
you lost the drive, yeah. and then you your work loses what made it special. Well, because then that, that that arrogance then is the driving force. I right. think if you have that expectation that people are going to accept it, yeah. And it's because when I go to do something very specific, so like when I was doing my art streams, which I'm hoping to start doing doing again. Yeah, you totally should do that again. My my music stream. Uh, you know, thing and even hitting the go live button on like the subathon or the the charity streams, I get so nervous. Like, yeah, even thinking about it, my hand is starting to shake, and I'm getting the butterflies in my stomach, and I'm not even doing it. But it's the the nervousness to share it. Um, was what it like? I think. It pushes me to, uh, it it pushes me to do do better. I mean, it put put because I'm painting feelings and, yeah. and emotions. It I put more into it, and I somebody was just like, "Are you ready for your painting stream today?" You know, asked me. You know, early on when I was doing them, they said, "You know." Um, I said, yeah, I'm nervous. Like that's, I'm ready, but I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? People are going to love it. And I said, it's, I'm giving people, people a a window and a look into how I see them and how I see, you know, whoever it is and, or how I, like when I do self portraits like that, how I'm looking at myself and that's a scary thing. And it's the same with, I think, with music, because you can write something and you mean it one way and you perform it this one way and, you know, 95% of people will get it, but that other 5% pull something totally different. Yeah. Uh, but I totally get it because, like, I'm I'm someone with, like, a bunch of, like, solo material that I've, like, curated myself and, like, I... The, uh, um, ninety nine point nine percent sure. Like people aren't going to hear seventy five percent of it. Mm-hmm. Like I still have that fear about that. Uh, what's interesting though is that, like, this is like its own like mm-hmm. creative process. Absolutely. And but like I I don't have that fear in this. Because, like, if you don't like this, then you just don't like where we're coming from, I think. Because it's so... Because we talk for so long on topics, like, even if it's dick jokes, you're like, you're coming to understand where we're coming from. And, like, I don't feel, like, any shame in projecting that. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... But, like, a conversation like this about... Like, I find a conversation like this about the process of the of of creating something find it much easier to put this out there than the material i've actually created well i suppose that's talking about like vulnerability right Mm -hmm. Mm. well maybe you just don't feel like it's uh it's in the right format yet for uh, public consumption i mean uh, I mean that's true as well. You can't. Yeah, I mean that there's a balance in that. There, like, 
you know, you should constantly test yourself because you can't assume that what you've done is like ready as a product. But maybe the process and coming up with that idea in the first place was enough. And I suppose that's why, like, I don't share things. I feel like the process of, like, doing that thing is enough in of itself for me to feel satisfied. Well, that's... But, yeah. <laughs> I did stand-up for two years. And mm-hmm. I got booked for one one show. And I didn't make any money on it. In fact, I spent money. I mean, just... But that's that's part of it. But... Uh, you know you're you're doing something right as a stand-up comedian when you're being paid to do it. Right. And I was booked on a show that was supposed to showcase women. And I booked it last second. There was no payment. Um like it I mean it was it wasn't anything crazy. And it was the one show that I got and I did the one five minute set that does really well. And I got heckled in my, Um, in my own five minutes. I opened the show and got heckled and I literally, my, my work truck was stuck in the snow and it took the client and I 45 minutes to get my truck out of the snow. I didn't go home and change clothes. Nothing. I went, straight there i put a piece of duct tape over the logo for my work clothes this is the this is the the netflix special the people didn't know they fucking wanted it was fucking ridiculous and i got heckled in the first 30 seconds of my set and thankfully i was quick enough to just turn it on them and I was like, you know, this sets about red flags when dating a dude, but guess what? You're giving me all of them and just like kept going. Like I was able to do it, but I was so nervous because that was my first show. The first time my name yeah. was on a bill somewhere. And I stopped doing stand up at the beginning of COVID. And then I started streaming. What I've come to realize is the comedy for me is not in doing stand up, the comedy is in those moments where I have to have a wit of some kind or those moments where I have mm. to, you know, yeah. play off a game or play off another person that mm. I, my comedy does better in that setting. And that's why I'm so afraid to do YouTube videos because what if nobody fucking watches because I'm not funny or I'm not entertaining, you know? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Can I completely understand that? It's, yeah, it's the it's it's a performance. It's art. It's 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 in that same wheelhouse. And I think my comedy declined when I stopped being nervous to get up on that stage and just eat shit. Well, there's a lot to be said for like recognizing that you weren't happy with how that changed for you. Yeah. But you know, this is why you know I feel great doing a podcast again. Like I understand that like my strengths come in bouncing off other people mm-hmm. and i've been told like at various points in my life that oh you should do stand-up comedy and the fact that people have told me a few times throughout my life that i should do stand-up comedy is the exact reason that i feel that i should not do stand-up comedy <laughs> because like because then you go up there and you you know 
oh, you assume that you're going to be good at this because people say that you're going to be good at this, but there's actually a craft behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've got to respect that craft. Right. This is like, yeah, podcasts are like the perfect thing because it's like stand-up comedy where there's like not that pressure on coming up with any fucking material beforehand. Right. I found my the section of a notebook that I was using to write jokes in because everybody said you needed to write your jokes and you needed to write them down in a notebook and this is what you like this is what you should do. And my best nights of of stand up, I was sitting there drinking my beer and I was next up and I went, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna talk about. Uh <laughs> and just pulling something. And I got really good at doing that. But when I got in my own head and I started thinking about things and I started like trying to plan it, it was just absolute dog shit. And that's why I love the <laughs> the way we do this podcast where it's like, I, intro- I introduce you and we just start talking and things flow where they fucking flow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I realize like we're being very introspective now and like not, not wholly comedic. Maybe there's like funny things here and there, but like, yo, that's fucking fine, man. Yeah. Buy the tickets at the ride. Listen to this four and a half hour episode and just Jeez. fucking listen, listen to what we have to say. Jeez. Four out. We've been talking four out. We've been talking for almost five at this point. Uh, sign okay. up for the Patreon if you want to hear the first like two hours of it. Which was all yeah. before we hit before I, we did yeah. the introduction. <laughs> I I actually think the the first hour and forty minutes is actually uh, more like the content you might be used to, <laughs> right? So, so uh, if you don't like uh, us navel gazing and you don't like the introspective uh, philosophical rants, then fucking give us your fucking money. Yep. We'll I'll say it again. I, I say it at least once every episode. Give us your fucking money. We'll take it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm not. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take your quarters harder than the fucking Trevi Fountain in Rome. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. Okay. I, I I feel it. I get it. You know. <laughs> it's uh, a hustle out here. We yeah. we you know. So I guess we'll do one more guest question, and it's because it's a funnier one. Uh, and uh, this comes from good old Derp House, uh, good good buddy of mine. Uh, does some killer emo karaoke. Uh, who is the best actor, and why is it Willem Dafoe? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, is that a two-part question? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you part take two it answers, you parts want. one answers. Part I think one, I think know. Willem Dafoe is the the greatest. Well, it's he's the greatest because of uh, he's something of a scientist himself. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, I think, he did like nine years. Uh, in a theater company in a loft in New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, that's correct. And I think that that in itself makes him have more of a, more of a diverse uh, well to pull on than a, a lot of these uh, 
these big actors in America uh, because he's he's kind of lived it. Uh, lived the the actor life uh, in a in an art artsy way, I think. So he's like a real performer. He's not just uh, an actor. So what um, you're saying is, Willem Dafoe is an actor that goes back to formula. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's I think he's an actor that looks like a, a Max Beckman woodcut. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, he's like he's like the trunk of a fucking warning oak. Yeah, he lo- yeah, he looks like he's been carved out of a tree and uh, phenomenal screen presence. So yeah, he's. I think that's right. I think he is probably the best. It, he, performing gar- the performing garage in Soho, New York City, the home of the experimental theater company, the Wooster Group, which Defoe co-founded. I found that on his Wikipedia page. The mm. performing garage, and it looks like a fucking garage mm-hmm. with some apartments above it. <laughs> he's he's been acting in film since 79. Mm. But he uh he was going to study or he studied drama at University of Wisconsin Milwaukee but left a year and a half uh later to join the experimental theater company Theater X in Milwaukee before moving to New York in 76. So he's like he did the the classic, you know, like what, you know, everybody says, oh, yes, I studied theater. Oh, so pretentious. But Defoe is just fucking chill as shit and eccentric mm-hmm. in the best way. Yeah, he'll he'll do the uh, Marvel fan event and give it the same fucking gravitas that he does can festival. Yeah. And, and he knows, like... Looking through all these pictures on his fucking Wikipedia page, uh, like he can pull off the the beard and and quaffed hair, or you know the fucking. Uh, well, well, let's be honest. If there was a JFK movie tomorrow, he could play the grassy knoll uh, and get a fucking like yeah <laughs> standing ovation. He's he just he's so good at what he fucking does, and I'm so jealous. Uh, I would say just look at the DVD cover of the movie Platoon (laughs) and that within itself is uh, an acting masterclass that Konstantin Stanislavski could prepare for himself even though he wrote An Actor Prepares Wait, wasn't that Charlie Sheen in Platoon? No, so Defoe is in Platoon and he's got one of the most epic death (laughs) scenes and it's just because he fucking plays it and he goes full send on, on this mm. death. And he did it. It was one of the first, like, not necessarily realistic, but like in a, in a movie like that, it was one of the first times where an actor was just like, I'm not gonna like ham it. He just fucking did it. Yeah. It's like so strong. They renamed it Myanmar. It's fucking like it's got that gravity, man. Yeah, like it's it put it put that fucker on the map. It and he just he didn't have a big role, but it it he played his fucking part and he fucking played it. And yeah, yeah. 
He looks so like weirdly young in that movie as well. Like it's like jarring to see Willem Dafoe look like that. He's sixty six years old, and it doesn't look like he's aged in the last twenty years to me. Mm. Like, yeah, it's a fact. And I think it has to do with his. Mainly, it has to do with the like his face, just the way it's structured. And he wrinkles, he wrinkled so early in life, but his mouth is so big <laughs> that it creates those fucking, like, the, the very expressive, like, fucking, and this is not me, like, trying to shame him or nothing, but you know what I mean when I say the wrinkles in Defoe's face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> he puts Gordon Ramsay to absolute shame. Yeah. But there's, you know, a craggy face makes a good actor. Uh, mm. We've learned that. Through the Oscar nods. Yeah. I fucking enjoy the... I enjoy him so much. Uh, he's, did you know he's got a, a Italian citizenship? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. no. I'm guessing it's because of his wife. An Italian film director and actress. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll, that'll do it. Buono giornata. They've been together since 2005. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad that Willem Dafoe is a guy that can keep it in his fucking pants. Yeah, it says Who's he's... Say he does? I mean... He probably does. Yeah. He's, he's, well, he's like... He's al- he was already 50, 40, 50 odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but I mean, in Hollywood years, I mean, like, fucking didn't stop Mick Jagger. Uh, well, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger is not. not Mick Jagger is not human. <laughs> He's a Just reptilian. you shut your mouth. He's a fucking reptilian. <laughs> oi, oi! I don't, I don't like what you're insinuating. <laughs> Pour your brown sugar somewhere else, right? Hey. Listen, between reptilian uh, Mick Jagger and vampire Keith Richards, you can't tell me that, like, <laughs> those men shouldn't have been dead a long time ago because, oh, my God. <laughs> and they know it, and they, they fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, forget it. Hey, I know I should be dead, but forget about it. Hey, ah, rolling stones. <laughs> Right, fuck it. All right, fuck it. All right. <laughs> yeah, I I watched a, an interview with fucking Keith Richards recently, and I was like, how? How are you still alive? Uh, have you yeah. been fucking, like, has all of the shit that's in cigarettes just fucking, like, made you immortal now? Like... <laughs> Well, I'm looking for the Ocarina of Time remake where they cast him in as the fucking Deku tree. <laughs> like, All right, right, forget about it. All right, <laughs> Rolling Stones. But but Keith Keith just kind of starts talking like this, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like uh, he's like I I absolutely love the the blues classics. <laughs> And I uh, hope that yeah, I get yeah, shamed yeah, for that yeah. accent that I just did. It's <laughs> I, I, it's a free fucking country, man. All right, I right, tell you what, Muddy was fucking beautiful, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, fuck. Well, this has just devolved uh, into chaos like it usually does. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm glad that we could uh, coat you with a warm blanket of impressions uh, like that, we, that we're known for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, Jack, thank you so much for coming on the pod. I truly, this has been a, a blast. It doesn't feel like. Thank you. This doesn't feel like we've been sitting here for five hours recording. This this has been just so much fun. It had, I've had a great time. Uh, it's been kind of hilarious and uh, <laughs> introspective. <laughs> yeah, I feel uh, we've laughed, we've cried. Uh, every emotion under the sun has been like fucking wielded through the fucking shining axe of Jack Solomon Smith this evening and uh yeah thanks a the lot elden for coming ring, on, the elden ring will be mine <laughs> one day <laughs> thanks jack uh is there anything that you want to promote or you know how the listeners can find you or anything like that or see your art um i am on instagram as jack solomon smith uh, all the O's, S O L O M O N. Okay. And and I have a uh, a podcast sometimes that I do uh, with my good friend Harry Badwin about music. Uh, it's on Mixcloud, and that's called uh, Joint Honors. Uh, like like kind of like a like a it's it's like Joint Honors, as if it's a. Um, an educational certificate, but it's mm. not. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, my music is kind of here and there. It's it's not really in one place. It's gonna get into one place when there's things in the right format and finished. So, uh, best place to find me is on Instagram because everything else is kind of in the oven or waiting for other things. So. Yeah, and put fucking pilot online, man. Because and I'll get, I, will, I reckon I will. the listeners would fucking get on that shit. The guys invent, the guy who did a comic book, man. So fucking get it on there. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> I should get it out. I should find a way to sell it as a PDF, but I'm not sure the best way of that yet. Um, mm. Best thing is to ask me, I think. All right, and I'll I'll do it. Yeah, no, that's I I dig it. I mean, this is the right community for uh, comic books and podcasts and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, so. and shout out to the to the listeners for uh, for sticking with these these two degenerates. Yes, <laughs> this is the, that's the first time anybody's called me a degenerate. I like it. <laughs> yeah, what well, well, a graduation for you. I know. <laughs> the holy water of degeneracy. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, um, Drew. Yeah, I'm a big... oh. Yo. Thank you, as always, and thank you for introducing me to Jack. This is, I might have to remake an Instagram just to keep up there. It's <laughs> a lovely thing to say. Uh, lovely to meet you, Ginger. Absolutely. And I will check out wonderful. your streams. I'll check out the Twitch. Oh, thank you. Well, 
uh, with all that being said, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll catch you. Uh, we'll catch you next week or next time or whenever the hell this happens because <laughs> fucking life gets in the way. But uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs>